And welcome to Cleveland the Geek, pre-holiday edition. And holiday edition, because it's going to have to last you guys through that. It's our last one of, our last free show. Yeah, that's right. Of yeah. 2020. We'll be back again in 2024. Although I think, I don't know, there's a chance. It's a really slow time between Christmas and New Year's. Everybody wants to talk baseball between Christmas and New Year's. Like our forums do very well between Christmas and New Year's. There's never any news. Your forums at what site? And who <laughs> are you? Twinsdaily.com. I'm John Bonus at Twinsdaily.com. That's right. This is the free show. we got to announce ourselves. Yeah. I'm John Bonus at Twinsdaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleeman of... The athletic still well i have transaction <laughs> news you All guys right. everyone's complaining that there's no moves <laughs> I have breaking re- news i have a long-term contract extension news <laughs> locally uh the least exciting possible thing not, not locally really <laughs> no you're signing with a new york affiliate well, that's true. I'm <laughs> a new york team well, <laughs> yeah my uh i signed a uh, long-term uh, contract extension with the athletic Little upstart company out of New York, <laughs> so I will be uh, doing same thing basically. <laughs> That's right. I think I got a no real changes. I got a title. How, how long is the extension for? Do we? Can you announce it or well, not? Could could go forever, John. It's a lifetime con. No, I, it's <laughs> a it's a long one. I don't know. For me, it's a long one. Uh, it's longer than my other the previous one. Let's put it that way. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I told Dan Hayes. He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, he was excited. I I joke that Dan and I are. I don't know. People, I think people get the impression that we're like uh, at odds, but I don't. That's not true. No, I just not like at all. To, we just like to pick on each other. But uh, yes. sort of similar to you and I. Yes. Although maybe we're right. at odds. I don't know. You I know, the last thing. If, if, if Gleeman isn't giving you a hard time and you're not giving Gleeman a hard time, you're not friends. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's, how you, true. that's how you know if you're a friend, right? That's true. If you say right. to yourself, boy, I've known Aaron for 10 years and he's never said a mean thing about me to my <laughs> right, face. Right. And well, I don't say mean things about right. him. Well, that means you're not friends. That's right. interesting. Yeah, that's a good assessment, I would say. Becky would certainly agree with that. Uh, <laughs> she's just shredding me, <laughs> roasting me from this from her seat next to me on the couch. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll be doing, uh, I don't know. It's a. We don't need to talk about that much, but I, we were joking about it the last couple of weeks. But right. uh, little negotiations. So now I'm requ- I'm contractually yes, required as part of the contract <laughs> because this podcast obviously is separate from the from the athletic and the New York Times, right. uh, which I, I, they allow. I had to negotiate that into the contract, but yes, we, I have to. With mention, there were there were talks once upon a time. That's right. Yeah, uh, John was like, nah. John, John really. John. Opened his wallet and went, nah, I don't, there's plenty in here. Um, but you have to say I'm Aaron Gleeman from The Athletic, which okay. I am. I'm proud to say that I'm Aaron Gleeman from The Athletic. It's the best job I've ever had. I don't know why I would want to leave it. I didn't tell him that during contract negotiations because, uh, you know, you lose all leverage if you say that. But it's a, it's a great job. And it, it it's a good job to have, let's put it this way, if you're also doing, a, you know, two to three times weekly twins podcast for instance like yeah. if i was yes. uh, you know the ceo of a fortune 500 company yeah i'd probably have less information about the twins to share on this podcast <laughs> and so the fact that i have a job covering the twins for sure. the athletic it, it, you know it works out well that's why you would not trade this for the ceo as a ceo of a fortune well, I'd have 500 to leave company. the house i'd have to get dressed up maybe I'd not have to. i meant to ask Corey. we had Corey provis uh 
the twi- the new television voice of the Minnesota Twins. Speaking of the podcast, right on the Patreon podcast on what day was that? We had, well we, Monday 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 morning. Great chat. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, you guys know me. I I downplay or I uh, I'm self deprecating, and John gets th- thrown under the bus with that too because he's self <laughs> sure. in this because we share a podcast. Yeah. But I thought this was. Uh, a great episode, and it was because of Corey. Prime, Provis knows what the hell he's doing yes. when it comes to talking into a mic. Yes. Is what the but also, is there. I yeah, thought right. he had a lot of good stories, which I knew he would, of working with Bob Euchre and Pat Hughes and all this stuff and coming up through the ranks. But also, I thought he Ron was Santo. Ron Santo about, and his wife, and that was a good story. Uh, but I thought he was as revealing as he could be without getting him or someone else in trouble about the the bigger picture twins television situation. Agreed. And I'm sure anybody listening to this is very interested in that. And so we're going to actually play a clip from yes. it uh, later Later on. in the show. Yeah. We pulled a clip of uh, Corey and the two of us discussing basically where, the, twins where the heck can you watch the twins in 2024? Right. Um, and it's not certain yet, but he provided a lot more, I don't know, clarity, I would yes. say, in the situation. And, I would say it's. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that he has a ton of inside information, but he's certainly paying attention to the whole right. thing, right? Because right. it obviously affects him. So, well, he just also had contract negotiations for right. that job, and yeah. as part of it, it certainly sounds like he said, "Tell right. me kind of what the idea is going to be with this, because <laughs> right. I don't want to sign on for something." Right. Which is smart. He's smart. So yes, we'll share a clip of that later in the show. But I, w- I mean, it was almost it was about nine an hour and a half conversation. Yeah. You know, probably a solid 30 about that topic. And then just an hour of, we talked twins off season, but we also talked like, who are you, Corey Provis? Like everybody's going to get a lot more of you or or TV people are. And let's talk about, you know, where you're from, what you did, how you got here, what it's like replacing uh, some huge name in every market. And what are the big challenges for moving from radio to TV? We spent a lot of the. I thought that was the most interesting part. Is like almost like logistically or stylistically, like, the differences between announcing radio and announcing TV. And there's some stuff that's obvious, like, but there's some stuff he said, I was like, okay, yeah. uh, So hopefully you enjoyed that. That's a conversation I often had at spring training with Bramer. Yeah. Because a lot of the games with, you know, some of the games, at least at spring training would be simulcast from radio to uh, on TV. Right. So, you know, and Bramer would be like, well, I mean, that kind of works, but it also kind of doesn't work. And we talk about that. It was interesting to hear Provis's take on that as well. So, that's very good. So yes, we. Uh, but also, if you want the full episode, P A T R E O N. That spells Patreon. <laughs> Patreon dot com slash Gleeman. So you can get that. And actually, if you sign up, you can listen to that one for free, and the whole archive. We also just I'll roll into this since this is our last show of of twenty twenty three, last free show of twenty twenty three. Um, just want to say thank you to you guys. This was. Because of the Twins playoff, Ron. Right. But even before that, it was a pretty fun. Yeah. I thought spring training was fun. I thought even the first half when they were up and down in 500-ish, there was a lot of interesting stuff to discuss. Obviously, for us, from our uh, point of view, the fact that the audience for the both the free show, I, I'll actually I'll post the numbers. I always post them on Twitter at the end of the year, so like a few days from now. But I can give you a little preview, depending on how this episode does. Uh, <laughs> we're up like 15, 18% per episode, basically downloads per ep- to, per new episode, which is amazing because we've had that growth essentially like every year. Right. And at right. some point, you know, it's not 
a limitless pool of Minnesota Twins fans. <laughs> right, Do you know what I yeah. mean? At some point, you think it's going to level out. Right. right. There are companies that would be like, well, we want a 50%. Pro-. But like at some point, you know, there's... We're very happy with whatever yes. grow, whatever attention anybody wants to give us. Right. And so <laughs> to uh, to be at that point where we're, you know, still having pretty big, you know, double digit plus year over year growth on this thing in year, what are we, year 12 or something like right. that of this podcast. And then beyond that, like we mentioned on the Patreon side, we're at like 4,000 patreon paying patreon subscribers at a dollar an episode yeah. uh which is just so far above and beyond what we ever imagined and what we even imagined a year ago or two years ago right. let alone in 2019 when we launched the patreon we were shooting for like 400 200 well right but i mean like long to, we were <laughs> yeah. like if we could get four or five hundred people <laughs> right, yeah. and now we're at you know 10x that and uh i don't know i just i say this a lot uh but, you know, we're grateful for it. It's really like I was joking about having this job and the podcast, but the podcast itself has become so much more than we ever envisioned when oh, we for sure. sat down at uh, Park Tavern and recorded <laughs> an episode not knowing what we were doing in, what, 2012, 2011? Yeah, uh, 2011. Yeah. And, you know, we thought we can get an audience for this and it's fun and we like doing yeah. it. I never imagined. And we wanted to sort of explore that medium. I think both of us, I mean, it started essentially for the same reason we both started on our blogs. We didn't like the way, you know, the coverage was of that, of uh, baseball in a particular medium. And in the radio medium, we weren't thrilled with how. It was unsatisfying. It was unsatisfying. It felt felt very surface level. It felt very uh, hot takey. It felt very. Uh, you know, knee jerky. Yeah, a lot of ways, and we wanted we to thought, see: is there room for deep dive, deepish dive what, <laughs> baseball content in from this two market? people who neither have radio voices nor radio <laughs> experience? <laughs> is there room for that? Yeah. And it turns out miraculously that there is. So I just want to say thank you uh, for all the support. Whether you, you listen once in a while to the free show, whether you listen to every patreon and you're a subscriber from day one on that side like it really has uh i don't think it's crazy to say it's changed our lives both like obviously it's been nice monetarily but whatever on that like just the idea of i i I know john even more than me hears from people because john goes out in the world (laughs) but just you know even sitting in the press box 80 times at target field a year and just the people who walk by in that section who listen to the podcast and i always get a little because it's a little thrill to be like hey i'm big Big podcast listeners, so that's a, that's a topic that came up when we talked with Provost as well a little bit. Yeah. Was sort of the, you know, we have an opportunity. He has an opportunity both on radio and TV, but I think we also have an opportunity to sort of grow the baseball community or grow the baseball knowledge and yeah. ha- have it be a have let's have baseball at a different level, uh, de- de- baseball coverage at a different level, and let's develop a fan base that's a little more educated. Yeah. on some I of hope these we've things. done that. Yeah. As- Dave St. Peter, uh, not in a good way, once said to someone at a public event, what are you, a Gleeman disciple? <laughs> we, got, we like Gleeman and Bonus disciples. We like those. Uh, that was I always liked that one. I love when there's some public event or some private event, and then I'd get tweets. My, our little uh, spies that are out there, I love that. There was a like Twins Christmas party, I guess, the other day. It might have been Monday after Provost talked to us, maybe. I don't uh-huh. remember. 
or the day before and people oh i've heard all kinds of well here's what they said at the christmas party and it's like okay <laughs> oh, not okay. about us just okay. in general see i've got different I, my source to talk about baseball your source to talk about the gossip well, i'm, a, I've got a, I'm, I'm be... a messy bee who lives for gossip <laughs> as the saying goes as the kids say but i do love to gossip i i mean i told people this at the winter meetings people were telling me gossip about people i'll never i don't know and will never meet and i'm just eating it up i'm like tell me more <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thank you to everyone for listening, uh, in 2023, also just the last decade plus, like, uh, we got, we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, right. John and I have also signed a long-term contract <laughs> with each other. <laughs> That's right. We go day to day. It's a, it's a 10 day contract, <laughs> like the NBA. Yeah. Um, it's a game time decision. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're both, uh, certainly the, the playoff, I hate to call it a run, but for the Twins, that is a run yeah. for sure. The playoff run, I think, uh, re-energized everybody, including right. us. Not that they, we were low on energy on the podcast, but it really, you know, it gives you a new. Well, also, the Korea signing, the Lopez Arias yeah. trade, like there was a lot of stuff that went on it's this been year. Been a lot to talk about, Royce which, Lewis, which has set us up perfectly for this off season, where there is not a damn thing. <laughs> Other than there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Well, mostly with the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> they have decided the effort around is pretty much over. Yeah, <laughs> it is funny to think back the last two to three off seasons, I guess, with the Dodgers. I have to look a little cl- more closely, but I know that a complaint from their fans were, and it's similar to complaints that the Yankees fans have had over the last three to four years, something like that. Which is they're not they weren't throwing around the full weight of their right. monetary advantage, right. well, especially last off season, right? That was a that was a complaint throughout the off season. I think Correa expected the Dodgers to be involved in his bidding, right? Well, right? that might have been more about him getting booed every time he steps. Well, in that might be that may, that may, that's a fair point. But yes, but I mean, in general, they sat on the sidelines for a lot of what was right. going on last year, and that was a it was a topic of the off season. Like, why aren't the Dodgers doing? It? And the answer. Seemed to be at the time they're keeping their powder dry right. for you know at the time the thought process was Shohei Otani but apparently it was also for Tyler Glasnow and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Yeah, so. they had a little more extra powder because as we talked about, I guess it was on last week's free show. We talked a lot about the Otani the right. the unique structure right. of the Otani contract with. Ninety-eight percent of the money yeah. being deferred a decade. Plus out to the point that the present day value, as the you know players association or whatever determined, of a seven hundred million dollar contract was what four fifty basically something like that. And we talked about well, why would they do that? There's some interesting tax ramifications potentially that he may have been interested in. But from the Dodgers standpoint, what it allowed them to do is luxury tax wise, but also just in terms of present day outlay from their ownership. They're basically paying forty-five million a year, or the equivalent, or right. being kind of docked for forty-five million dollars a year, or marked for forty-five million dollars a year on the luxury tax instead of seventy. Well, that creates twenty-five million, thirty million, let's say, in sort of still available funds, right. and that's essentially what they just gave to Yamamoto, right? A twelve-year, three hundred and twenty-five million dollar deal. Uh, which in itself is interesting because, A, I was kind of surprised that Otani's deal was only 10 years. Right. Uh, but he is 29. Sure, but we've seen even we've older seen, free right. agents. We've seen them stretch it out right. because it allows them to you know, bring down the average value of that, which goes against right. the luxury tax, right? right? 
Now, the 12-year deal for Yamamoto, he's 25 or maybe turning 26. But 25, he's, that's think, yeah. significantly younger than any free agent will ever be in the American MLB system. Like even right. Bryce Harper, right. who was basically, or A-Rod back in the day, right. who debuted at 19. That's as, right. that's as quickly as you're going to get to free agency. Right. If you debut at 19 and you don't sign an extension, you'll get to free agency at 26, right. basically. Um He's there at 25 because the Japanese posting system, he can basically just act out or opt out or act, ask to be posted. Right. And he debuted, I think. He might have been 18, 19 because uh, he's pitched seven mm-hmm. years and he's 25. Right, yeah. He has three MVP awards or two MVP awards and three Cy Young. They have a, whatever their equivalent of the Cy Young yeah. is. Uh, and so this was more of a what we – this type of deal – first of all, it's a million dollars more – than the previous largest ever contract for a pitcher, which was Garrett Cole, which uh, is 324. 324 <laughs> now, that was only nine years. So this All is right. less average right. annual money. Sure. So that's interesting. I'm sure that wasn't a coincidence. Um, but this is more what we saw last offseason with, like, Bogarts and the initial Correa right. deal, which was 13 years with right. the Giants, yep. uh, the Trey Turner deal, where teams are – Signing guys to it almost is like the NFL where there's like voidable deals at or years at the end of a deal to stretch the money, and you'll just kind of deal with it when you get there. That's sort of what we're seeing, although realistically, a 12 year deal for a 25 year old, although I wouldn't bet on any pitcher necessarily making it to 37 or something like that, but he could obviously. But the other interesting part so 12 years, 325 million, that's just a massive, and along with the 700 for Otani, and would they give Glass now 150 or something like that? Something like that. 25 million a year, basically. You're at 27. You're at 1.1 something billion dollars on those three pitchers. I mean, you're over a billion just on the two Japanese pitchers. Yep. Which is, uh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wonder at what point, how many years from now will the Minnesota Twins have spent a billion dollars on? Cumulative free agents. Right. It's not yet. <laughs> nope. No. I can tell you that. No. And that's with Correa getting And they did it one season. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they did it like a week and a half, <laughs> right. basically. Uh, so, yeah, I think that you can draw a clear link between the structure of Otani's deal and him pushing for that and the the PR element of that from his agency was he wanted to do that I mean, it might have been true also, right. but he wanted to do that so that they could and it's interesting continue that, to add players. And then they add a Japanese guy yeah. who he's clearly... Who they're paying up front. They're actually giving him $50 right. million. Dollars. So this is the right. other interesting right. thing. 12 years, it's 300, the exact opposite. Right. $325 million, Two parts of that were interesting, which is, well, three maybe. First of all, that's only, I think it's like 30th in baseball in average annual... Dollars, okay, yeah, $27.5 million. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot, the, but Sonny Gray 50, just right, got right. $25 million a right. year. Yeah. So that, for a high-end starting pitcher, it's more the length than the uh, – but then, like you said, he got a $50 million signing bonus, which is part of the three twenty-five. Right. but then that just gets prorated basically or evenly distributed over the 12 years. So right. it counts as, you know, what, $4 million a year or something like that, which is – I mean, that's a lot. Right. Whereas Otani took the opposite. He was like, I'll right. take it 15 years from now. And then the other part is – because he's coming directly from the Japanese league, there's right. a posting system, and it used to be there was a flat posting fee, or it could max out at twenty million or something. But now the posting fee is a percentage of the total contract, right. and I think there's twenty percent, yeah, something like that. Something. Like that. Uh, well, it might, maybe there's like a cap, yeah, or something. something like, yeah. But it's fifty-one million. 
Okay. They're paying to his old, his pr- previous team in Japan, right? Which is very interesting from their standpoint. I mean, I don't know what a Japanese team's payroll is. I don't either. I was just but, wondering that. And I, I know that there are. I remember Tana- uh, Masahiro Tanaka, who I think had the previous largest deal for a Japanese player coming over here when he came over to the Yankees like a decade ago. He was very good, but he went back to Japan when he was still not quite in his prime, but still could have signed a multi-year deal with the Yankees or whatever as a free agent because they basically paid him not the same but comparable at least money. So there are Japanese players making pretty big money over there, but I also know that when like an American player, you know, a Williams Astadio type heads over to Japan, they tend to make a million bucks, million and a half right. bucks or something like that. So I'm assuming the the payrolls there are a fraction of major league payrolls obviously, or at least the big ones. So fifty-one million. <laughs> I mean, you could probably pay a whole season. I would think. So. I, I was wondering that. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that would cover the entire season. I well, mean, and then the other part about that is, which kind of ties into what I think there's going <clears> to. <throat> I, I bet we get a slew of stories between Christmas and New Year's about. Um, you know, does Major League Baseball need a salary cap? Right, yeah. and you know the the difficulties of running a small market team versus a large market team in Major League Baseball. I think well, we're also seeing. The gap between large market teams and supermarket teams now. Well, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Yes, right. Yeah. Like the gap between even the like. Cardinals and the Mets. Right. Well, honestly, <laughs> right. like even the Giants and the Dodgers. Maybe. Which maybe. I think yeah. people have perceived as similar, and they're both huge markets who spend a lot of money. The Giants can't get people to take yeah. their money. And part of that, I don't know, I guess because the market itself. So but, one of the things about this as well is that because the Dodgers are spending so much on this. And because even though um, Shohei Otani deferred his money, he's also bringing you know the average annual value of that still gets up, end up putting into into the luxury tax calculation, right? right? Forty five, forty seven million or something, million or something yeah. like that. Uh, the Dodgers have gone, and you know, last year they managed to kind of keep their powder dry, kind of get, but they were still paying some. They were still right. in the luxury but tax. They, they never the dropped dip below under it, the right? last. Threshold basically, right, right. the highest threshold, right? Because there's repeater. Penalty. So now they are in the second highest threshold as of right now because they've been above the luxury tax for three years in a row. The penalty, the tax in that threshold, in that level, goes up and up and up. So there was another like almost twenty million dollars, I think, uh, on top of the three hundred and twenty-five million and the fifty million they have to pay for the poster right. fee. They're also paying another twenty million on top. Of, so this is really to them it's a three hundred and ninety, yeah, yeah, it's a four hundred million dollar contract, right? And, you know, the luxury tax has become, I, I think, significantly more aggressive over the past. We've been talking about wanting, you know, a salary cap or since the collective bargaining agreements in sure. 2002. You know, we were wondering whether or not the twins would get contracted and I such, mean, right? I can tell you, I was born in 1983. So I was probably aware of this in the mid 90s. Since right. the, I became aware of such things in the mid 90s. People have been moaning about right. baseball not having right. a salary. Well, I mean, all the other sports have basically kind of right. moved to that, right? Uh, Except you, Premier League soccer, which I think right. is becoming sort of similar in some ways, right. where there are like mega, mega right. teams. Right. Yeah. There are like strong teams, and then there are some teams, and this is kind of what I worry well, about. NCAA football is the new one that's going to be going that yeah, direction. That's true, too. <laughs> right. But I, I worry... Not that I know a lot about Premier League. Most of what I know from Premier League is I have one friend who's a Chelsea fan, and sometimes I go drink in the morning and watch Hi, those games. Hi, Dana. It's um, coming over to my house tomorrow night to watch a Bills game for some reason. I don't know why. Um, 
you're welcome to come over too if you'd like to. <laughs> All right. Um, good. good to know. But I worry that there are teams in the Premier League, and obviously it's different because there's relegation as a component and everything, so that's not apples to apples. But I worry that there are teams like in that because there's such – the spectrum of spending is so absurd in that. You know, with like Chelsea at the top or other teams like right. that, and then some teams are just sort of right. spending the minimum. There are some teams who are like, our goal is to finish, you know, tenth, right? And that's a successful right. season. Right. And it's a little different in baseball. That's never going to be quite how it is in baseball because the playoff structure right. leads to less certainty. Yeah, that's and, a good point. You know, you can get the Diamondbacks on a run, right. but I worry with teams like I don't know Pittsburgh or Kansas City or something like that. Or at some point, the Twins. The Twins have been in this right. situation a couple right. decades ago, yep. obviously, where it's like they're not even really shooting for championships. And on some level, like even maybe division t- – like if you're in the Dodgers division right. and you're like – I don't I would say the Diamondbacks, but they just made the World Series. So thank God for the playoff <laughs> element right. yeah, kind right. of throwing chaos into the mix. But I worry that – What's going to happen, even the regular season is obviously affected, but I worry that there's some teams that are just like, well, we'll trot out a $70 million payroll, which is equal to what the Dodgers are paying one right. guy, and then we'll just kind of hope for an 80-win season. And for us, that's a big accomplishment. Right. I worry yeah. that it's like headed it, I mean, it could sort be, of towards I, that. I, I think that's a legitimate concern, but I think it was a legitimate concern 20 years ago, and they have. Sure. I, I think what we're seeing is that they are putting in – the collective bargaining agreement is becoming increasingly penalty uh, laden for teams that are trying to do that. You know, the, the if the Dodgers spend like another seven million dollars, everything they spend on a free agent past that is taxed at one hundred and ten percent, right? Yes, like, but but I wonder if I wonder if even though that is becoming more and more stringent, and even though that you know the luxury tax number. More and more teams are kind of running into that luxury tax number. It used to be like one team, two teams. Now it's like five, six teams, right? right? I still wonder, like, if the you know the real true super teams, it's still kind of like, yeah, but it's just money, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're like, still making money, and right. I think it's more what you're saying is true. Like they've obviously put in more levels to it, and the penalties themselves. We talked about this with the Mets and Steve right. Cohen last offseason. Right. Which ironically, and and, it, and to some extent, you can see it working sometimes. Like but you can see it, you can see the Padres backing down after but after trying but to jump all, in there, right? Pu- how do I phrase? They're all punitive, not restrictive. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. They're all right. you did this. There, there's an incentive, but there's not well, yeah, yeah, a rule. Like, <laughs> right. You're saying to the Dodgers, you spent so much money and you made your team so good. Now you have to pay the penalty. Whereas a salary cap, right? Is you you can't you just can't spend that money right. and can't That's make right. it that good, right. and those are to- totally oh. different things. Because to your point, if you're the Dodgers owners or you're Steve Cohen, who's the three times right. as rich as any billionaire right. owning another team, right. you can say to him, "Well, hey, if you get your payroll up to 280 here, right. if you add another yeah. reliever yeah. here and get it to 280, you're going to be paying a dollar seventy five on any dollar you're you going to be paying two ten on every right. dollar. Right? Yeah, that's right. meaningless to him. I mean, effectively, like right. he's going to have some cutoff in his head. But when you have fifty billion dollars, right. what is fifty million dollars? It's nothing. We, I mean, we've talked about this before, and so I agree it, that it is something the Major League Baseball seems to try to be reining in. It certainly the Major League Baseball Players Association does not want them to rein in. Well, it, right, they right? just want free spending, uncapped right. spending. But that's but so this gets to why I'm I think we're going to see. Like another, if we maybe have already seen it, but it, like a, another higher class emerge because it used to be small market, mid market, 
high market or super right, teams right. or whatever it is. But now we're seeing like the Dodgers now, I would say, obviously, are the first team that has like elevated themselves from a spending or from a, just a power standpoint above even like the Red Sox, let's right. say, or yeah. the Giants or even the, the Yankees, Yankees at right. some point. Yeah. I think the Dodgers are clearly the – Where it's like – and I think the Mets envision themselves as this <laughs> at some point or right. have tried to kind of do this because there's just so – the pure, That's their vision for sure. Right. <laughs> the pure wealth involved, like, yeah, the people who own the Cardinals or the people who even own the Red Sox, they're ridiculously wealthy. They'll ne- you can never spend, you can never tax them enough to, right. you know, affect their bottom line, basically. But they do install, like, limits, whereas, like, the group that owns the Dodgers, right. I mean, they're just so unfathomably wealthy as a collective. Or Steve Cohen, there's no amount of money he could spend on a baseball team that would ever dent his bottom line. So I feel like you're going to get even more stratification there where it's like you have teams that are willing to go nuts within the context of baseball, which is like Red Sox, Giants, even Yankees. maybe. But then there's teams, or at least a team right now, the Dodgers, that are willing to go nuts Outside of the context of baseball, right. they, or in the Mets, I think eventually will be like this too, where they're just willing to go nuts within right, the context yes. of the world. Right. And that is so much bigger, even. You can have a 300 and something million dollar payroll, and major league, you know, whereas uh, the Giants might have a 200 million dollar payroll. Right. And you can say, if you're major league baseball, well, we've put all these guardrails in place and we're going to tax yeah. you $2 on every dollar spent at this point. And at the end of the year, like you said, you're going to get a bill for $85 million. What is eighty five million dollars? Nothing. It's it's nothing. And so that I is maybe me, the I think that happening, if if that plays out more extreme over the next five to ten years, let's say, which I think it will, that I think will actually be the impetus or the push towards a true salary cap. And here's why. The teams that will be upset about what I'm talking about, sort of a higher level of super team spending, are the teams that were previously the big market teams, Red Sox, Giants, whatever. And when they start to complain, Major League Baseball and the Players Association will listen to it, much more so than if the Minnesota Twins or the Cleveland Guardians or the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Kansas City Royals. I think think if you ask the Dodgers right now, do you want a salary cap, they'd be like, yeah. F yeah, let's sign up for a salary cap. No, I don't. Think they would. I, I think they would because they're guaranteed making that. They're still going to be have that revenue, that huge yes. revenue number on the other side. They will another, make significantly right, more right? money. I think all of the major league baseball owners would sign up for a salary cap right now. I think the majority would. But what I'm saying is, I still think the Dodgers are going to make money. Well, you know, I, think, that's no, the, I know, and the, but they'd be making even more. And sure, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have to worry about being bitched at about they're not overspending their money, or yeah, they wouldn't have to worry about fan about reaction. That, they wouldn't. I don't know. The but the salary cap removes their competitive advantage. Yeah, it does. Not, not completely, but it right. really right. removes a lot right. of it. Yes, right. And so, if you're the Dodgers. You can have both right now. You can spend an ungodly amount of money, even relative to the other big market teams. You can still turn a profit because they're getting like three hundred million dollars a year in television money. Right, I mean, yeah. like, and they they sell Dodger Stadium sells out sixty thousand a game for eighty one games. You know, you're gonna have huge playoff revenue because you got a super team every year. You know, all this stuff, and you get the national money. Right, you get right. obviously you can sell your TV rights to Japan now for a huge amount. Yeah. You got two superstars in Japan, <laughs> right, yeah, right. so there's all this. And 
so they can make money there, but also they have maximized mm-hmm. a competitive advantage. So you get the best of both worlds. Uh, what okay. I think is teams on the second super team level cannot have both worlds. They cannot spend an ungodly amount sure. and have the sure. full competitive advantage. And I, I suspect oh, I'm sure, 10 I'm, years listen, from I'm now. I'm sure the Giants and Cardinals and those teams are right. really uh, – Red Sox maybe That's what are I'm very saying. disappointed in how this is going. Don't get me wrong. Right. I just don't think – ultimately, the, the resistance to any sort of salary cap is the MLBPA. And it sure. has been a line, a line in the sand. They have, they, have, they have been willing to move that line in the sand as much as you – know, to, to allow incentives or to allow penalties. Or right. But they're never going to get to the point where they're going to be like, no, you're just not right. setting it. So, well, and it's in some ways tough to argue with them when no, I agree. two guys just got a billion dollars. Right. On the other hand, I think a salary cap would probably lead to a similar amount of total money spent on players, but distributed right. in a much more sort of. Yeah. We just we just went through an off season lockout over you know exactly this well, issue, right. and they got nothing done. So uh, before we talk about some actual twin stuff, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about a couple of a uh, couple of our favorite sponsors, HelloFresh. Uh, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed having HelloFresh waiting for me when we came back from our recent trip to Europe. Uh, it got delivered that day, yeah. and so we went. There. Uh, we also just um, had a give a shout out to Nick Nelson who uh, got hit by. We, th- we thought about sending him HelloFresh as a uh, get well soon stuff. He got hit by a car. He's got a broken yeah. foot or something. They're out to get Nick. <laughs> I don't know who they are, right. but somebody. Anyway, HelloFresh just makes a makes delivered right to your super, door. Yes. The way it works is whether you can actually cook like the bonuses or you can't cook like the Gleemans, um, <laughs> it works for both. Because right. I can tell you as, as a household who neither of us cook, but we kind of like the idea of eating a little healthier and actually and doing stuff together. Cooking, yeah. Right. I feel that way. She might not feel that way. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, they send you all the ingredients kind of parceled out. Right. Right amounts. Fresh, yep. hello fresh, delivered right to you. What needs to be cold is delivered cold. Right, it's portioned out. But then also they send you step by step instructions, and you might say, "Well, isn't that just a recipe?" But it's beyond a recipe. Right, there's pictures so that like I know what ginger looks like. So when I'm, <laughs> it says slice some ginger. I'm right. not like what? Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and so, and you end up with whether you have a decent ability to cook or zero, you end up with very like Instagrammable oh, plates. So good. You've probably seen John tweet about them where it's yeah. like, here we made pork loin, and it's like, wow, yeah. that looks it looks good. almost like it does in the picture. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, and right. it gets delivered right. to you. You can choose, you know, meat based items. They have a new menu every week. You can choose like family items. If you got kids involved, you can choose vegetarian items. You can choose healthier items, all that stuff. HelloFresh. And here they have a deal. If you go to hellofresh.com slash Gleeman free, all one word, Gleeman free, and use the code Gleeman free, G-L-E-E-M-A-N-F-R-E-E, you get free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box uh, the entire time your subscription to HelloFresh is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Free with the code GleemanFree. I should just mention I've had some of these breakfasts. They're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> they've got they've got both like uh, muffins and then they also have like uh, breakfast sandwiches that you can just heat up. It takes like a minute and a half. They were fantastic. So we America's number there. one meal kit. And then here's uh, our next sponsor. We have had them in the past this time of year. They are a perfect sponsor 
for our audience <laughs> on what is today? Well, here, yeah. December 22nd. I don't want to talk past the most important part. The most important part is that this is a great service. Like, it's just yes. a great freaking for thing kind of to do. Bringing right? families together. Right. So, this we'll is, talk the, about The here. name of it is StoryWorth, right? And StoryWorth, what they do is uh, they allow you to kind of get to know some of the relatives that you don't know as well as you should, including like your parents, right? You know, or your or grandparents, grandparents or something. So, you can sign them up for this as a gift. And the beauty of it is it's not a physical gift initially. Right. And so you might be saying to yourself, yeah. Yeah. Christmas is in right. two days. Perfect gift. If you've been waiting. <laughs> December 22nd. If you're a doofus right like now. me. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That's the other beauty, beautiful part about it. So they, you can sign them up. And what it is is they'll get sort of prompted email right. questions about their life. Right. And it, some of them might just be like, what was your first job? But some of it is a little deeper, a little more uncommon, and it kind of gets them telling stories that they maybe haven't even told or even thought about in decades. And then at the end of the year, first of all, during the year, your family can read those as they submit them if you want. That's right. That's right. But then at the end of the year, you can put it together in a in like physical book form, and then that's like sort of a second gift, and then you can give that to other family members too. And then it's almost like an autobiography. It's like you've sort of push them into writing about their life in ways that they never would have done it before. So, right. And, like I said, it's a perfect gift for which, the holidays. Yeah, Still, which, uh, with StoryWorth, you're giving those you love a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart, preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash Gleeman, and you can save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth, W-O-R-T-H, storyworth.com slash Gleeman to save $10 on great, your first Great purchase. thing for... For uh, for several siblings to go in together for you know get to know their parents or grandparents better. So I don't have several siblings. Yeah, no. even, yes, right. I don't even have one. <laughs> well, Imagine if I had a sibling; they'd probably be really annoying. I would like to meet a sibling of yours. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Boy. Brother or sister? You think? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I think a Sis- sister. She'd be a very hairy woman. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm betting she would be strikingly attractive. Well, yeah, and then, and then you'd be like, Ugh. oh, like I'd have, to, I'd have to like beat up her boyfriends oh, when we were growing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I don't know. I always wanted a sibling, oh. but uh, I, I couldn't even get. They them. weren't that great. Just FYI. How <laughs> oh, Jeff Bonus is a saint. I've met he this list, man. He, list, he listens. To One the of the podcast, greatest so. people I've ever met. <laughs> Had a great time with him in Vegas. It was great. I like all siblings of the original. Four Twins Daily people as much or better than the Twins Daily founders themselves. What do you think about that? That's pretty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Seth, I like Seth's brother. Great yeah. guy comes His to sister. our events. Yep. Um, Parker's sister. Yeah. I've had some great fun. great night outs with. Right. Nick's. Nick's uh, brother, Josha. Yeah. yeah. Jasha? Jasha. Jasha. Sorry. Jasha. <laughs> uh, yeah. Has. In the past, given me so many free drinks at Nightingale <laughs> yep. before, and is a great guy. And you four are, you know, you guys are all right. Siblings. So I guess that proves what you're saying, is you're if right. I had a sibling, they'd be much cooler than me, and people would like them a lot more than me. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, okay. Talk about some twin stuff? Yeah. Start with uh, let's start with the center fielders. Nothing okay. really projected. I so. left this up to John. Yeah, dealer's choice on the topic. Right. So at the winter meetings in Nashville, we had there was a lot of talk about. Well, there was a lot of talk about a few things which we covered, but one of the things was kind of a renewed 
sense of optimism, I guess, with Buxton, Byron Buxton. Right. And I will tell you that when I heard that from Baldelli <laughs> in person and I heard that from uh, Derek Falvey in person, my initial reaction was, I'm guessing, what everyone who just heard me say <laughs> the phrase renewed sense of optimism with Byron Buxton. Don't, Don't roll your eyes visibly. Don't roll your eyes visibly. Don't roll your eyes visibly. I have a problem with that in general. The beat has said. That's exactly what Back doing. when we used to do Zoom interviews in 2020 and 2021, <laughs> I had a major problem with rolling my eyes, both at right. my fellow writers' questions. Right. Which. What's the worst? They didn't like that right. very much, That's one right. of them in particular. And then with the responses from players and coaches and stuff, and I'd be like, mm. uh, turns out when you're on a Zoom and it's being recorded by the team, they tend to notice if there's one jerk in the high upper right-hand corner with his eyes rolling out of his head. Anyway, but you probably had that reaction when you heard the phrase uh, renewed sense of optimism with Byron Buxton. I had the similar reaction in Nashville when they were talking about that. They have that reaction, too. I mean, they're right, aware yes, of the situation. Right. It's not like they're coming to this blind. And so it's all relative. You know, when they say, well, it's, it stems from Buxton had his first post-surgery checkup. Would have been now three weeks ago, let's right. say, three, four weeks ago in Minneapolis with the team doctors and all that. And things are going well or things were going well back then. And... It's he's cl kind of cleared for normal off-season work, which means he can work out, which is different than the year before when he was not cleared for that and, in fact, showed up to spring training right. and was still well behind where he already is now, which right. is part of the reason there's optimism now. Now, with that said, you know, we know better at this point. We've, right. we've heard the story or versions of this story before, and the Twins are aware of that. I'm sure deep down Buxton is aware of that, too. We, he wasn't at the winter meeting, so we didn't talk to him, but... So it's all relative. When I say, you know, there's a renewed sense of optimism, and I think part of that that I could sense was for the first time since really like mid-2022, they were talking about him as a center fielder. And last year, that just never really happened until basically September when they started talking about him as a center fielder, not because they thought he was like able or had m more gotten closer to actually being physically capable of playing center field just because they were running out of time and they just thought, yeah, what the hell? We'll see. Right. Let's just see what happens. And it didn't, right. didn't work, obviously. Right. Now they're talking about him again as a center fielder. I think part of that is because they're encouraged by the early check-in post-surgery. And part of it is because it didn't work to make him a full-time DH last year. And so that is no longer – I don't want to say a possibility, but that is no longer sort of a plan or a option. And so it, then you it didn't keep him healthy. Right. That's what I mean. Right. He that's wasn't right. productive. Right. He didn't really seem to love it from a just like staying in the game <laughs> right, standpoint. Course, right. And he didn't stay really any healthier. No. And so, or at least he didn't progress from a health wise standpoint right. where he can move off. Yeah, the I think the thought process was we're going to keep him here until he gets healthy. And right. then we'll eventually, then hopefully we'll have him in center field by the postseason. Right. And then finally in September, they're like, I don't know. Let's just move him center field. Right. <laughs> you know, and right. that lasted half a game in right. St. Paul, basically. Right. And so because of that, you know, and when I say they're aware of the, you know, the eye roll aspect of this, <laughs> they, I, this wasn't like on the record, but a couple of different Twins officials basically said, I don't know, 80 games in center field? 
Right. That would be great. You know, sort of half time in center field. You throw in some work at DH. Right. Maybe pinch runs a few times. That gets you to a hundred and something games. I mean, that's. It's unfortunate right. that that's what you're shooting for in someone's age thirty season, which he's now he just turned thirty the other day. But that's, I think, realistic. I mean, it's not realistic at this point, or really at any point in Byron Buxton's history, but certainly right now, to say, oh, we want him in center field for 140 games. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd love that, but that's not realistic. And so once you – and they'll know more at Twins Fest, I would say, because he'll be in town for that. Right. And they'll check him up again. Yes. I mean, they're keeping tabs on him, but that's like the next time that he'll be in town. Yeah. And then obviously the big one will be when he reports I mean, that's to a, the training. That's also about the time they made the move for Michael A. Taylor last year. Well, this is part of it too, which is their... They traded for him like January 24th or right, something. We looked it Royals. up or something. Yeah. The, their patient nature in general with off-seasons, the Twins front office, I mean, is I think being forced even more down that path because they don't have any money to spend. So they're kind of trying to right. let things play out with everyone else. But it does kind of fit with Buxton's situation, which is every week that you can kind of kick the can down the road on the center field situation gives you another week or another month to evaluate Buxton's readiness or capabilities or just right. overall health. Yeah. And so – if you had, and it's to, been a slow developing center field market too. True, nobody's signed yet. I mean, well, I mean, Moon did, <laughs> right? That's uh, yeah. I mean, the uh, Japanese player came over as player. Korean. The Giants. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Korean. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, Korean. but he was yep. never going to sign with the Twins. And, right. But like Cody Bellinger is unsigned. Right. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, Michael A. Taylor, who right. obviously played for the Twins, right. and Harrison Bader, and there really hasn't been, from a trade standpoint, center fielders changing teams. If they had to decide today. Who's your opening? I mean, if the season started today, basically, I know that's a cliche, but if they had to decide today who's your center fielder, well, there'd be too much uncertainty to say it's Byron Buxton. So you'd either have to say, well, it's Willie Castro or it's Nick Gordon or it's Austin Martin, or you would have to make a move today for a Michael A. Some combination of those players. But if you can wait a month and the market itself is still, you know, maybe Bellinger signs, but maybe one or two of the other guys are still unsigned or whatever trade uh, targets they've identified haven't been traded yet, well, then that allows you to evaluate Buxton with more information, basically. You can reveal more information in that time. So I do think that kind of fits their approach to it anyway. But it does make it difficult, whether it's today, whether it's a month from now, whether it's in spring training, at some point you're going to have to just say, do we actually think Byron Buxton can play center field on opening day for 80 games, for 50 games, whatever it is, and you're going to have to act accordingly, right? And so that affects who you have on your bench with like Castro Gordon and that type. It affects how you handle prospects. Is Austin Martin the opening day center fielder? Well, that's a lot different than sending him to St. Paul as a midseason call-up. Are you trying to talk about someone like Michael Hellman or Deshaun Kersey or something like that as an right. emergency type center fielder? Right. Or do you go out and sign Michael A. Taylor or Kevin right. Kiermeyer, and you say Buxton's a part-time player now or honestly isn't even being counted on to be on the active roster. Willie Castro's a backup. Nick Gordon's on the roster bubble. Austin Martin's at AAA, and these right. other guys are completely out of the picture. Right. Like, or do you go and trade for somebody like you did last right. year? Like you know, somebody who's a you know bottom 10 center fielder in yeah, terms of offensive production, but fielder. a decent... Because here's the thing. Baldelli was a center fielder. Yes. He cares about center field. You know, it's one of those things where I'm getting the sense that you know Kiermaier is interested in the Twins in part because Baldelli is there. You know, he's yes. he's got. I I joked about this with Baldelli on uh, day two of the winter meetings. 
when I was asking them about Castro and Gordon and Martin and all these guys, kind of what do you think about these guys in center? Like, could, would you could you live with so and so being your primary center fielder? Could you live with so and so? And it's a much different vibe from Baldelli on that topic than it is from Falvey <laughs> yes. or anybody else in the organization, even from a scouting side when you talk to him, because Rocco Baldelli was himself uh, an exceptional center fielder. <laughs> right. Uh, as fast as anybody, he, does, he, he doesn't have a lot of patience for bad plays in right. center field, right? Yeah. And it's not because he has anything against any of these players specifically, but Byron Buxton is the one guy they've had in center field, right? Where and Rocco no, Baldelli Michael Taylor goes, replaced him, and Michael Taylor replaced him, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's like where Rocco Baldelli. I mean, he sung those guys' praises endlessly, especially Taylor last year. I don't think it's a coincidence. I, you know, I think we picked, we thought, oh well, Michael Taylor is the center field because Michael Taylor was available. Right, that's right. what, and you know, hits right-handed and blah blah blah. You know, there's there, right. there, there's some. He's got some things, and those are those were true. More and more now that I take a look at that, I think they were targeting Michael Taylor because they're like, I want a really good center fielder. Right. We right? at least know that defense right. will not be a drop off, really. And right. we saw that. I mean, he was exceptional in center field. He's right. a great center fielder, I, and so yeah, I think that plays a part. Whereas if you ask Falvey about the same players, well, he views it more as an all around topic where he'll say like well you know i don't know that i want fill in the blank starting 100 games defensively in center field but if they make the minimum salary and they can be an asset offensively the overall package from a value standpoint can be similar to michael taylor right whereas baldelli's like well i just want a really good center field (laughs) so that's (laughs) the push and pull of a manager versus a front office that's right that's right yeah now it just so happens that the other than Cody Bellinger, who is not signing with the Twins, obviously he's right. going to get yes. 150 million or something like that. But it, yeah, the I mean, next three, he wants over 200 million, and I'm wondering how well, late, yeah. how long it's going to take for him to sign, and at what point do the other center fielders say True. we're not going to wait for him to sign and then take the leftovers? Right. We're just going to go out and get as soon as we can get a good two year deal or a three year deal, we're going to take it. But I, the three. Kind of mid-level or lower-level free agent center fielders: Michael A. Taylor, Kevin Kiermaier, Harrison Bader. Right. I'm trying. I think they've all won Gold Gloves. They're certainly in all Gold Glove right. caliber. Yes, I don't right. know if Bader's won one. Kevin Kiermaier, I would say, is probably the center fielder the, who's better than Buxton. The best center fielder of the past decade, I would yeah. say. I mean, just cumulatively, like Buxton. Defensively, you mean? Yes, defensively. Yes. I mean, he's just amazing. He remains. He's like 32, but he's still amazing. Right. Uh, Michael A. Taylor has won a gold glove, and we saw last year still at a very, very high level. Harrison Bader is, you know, maybe a half step below that level, but, you know, he's a great defender, can't, hasn't hit much in the last couple of years. All three of the free agents seem like that kind of player, right? Which is kind of interesting. The the problem is is that at least two of those free agents are definitely going to be probably in line for a multi-year deal from somebody i like, like the phrasing something. on that definitely probably <laughs> definitely probably yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah well that was when they're certainly fishing for you at the beginning deal. of the off season i not at the very beginning once the talk of the payroll going down which was like maybe a couple weeks into the off season or whatever uh we started looking at the center field market and those same three guys basically right. yes taylor being a potential resign and saying, well, yeah, I mean, on a one-year deal, all those guys would make sense potentially. Right. You know, th- you know, Kevin Kiermaier, one year, I don't know, twelve million. Right. Michael Taylor, they're one year, nine million. Harrison Bader, one year, I don't know, four or five million. That all makes sense, but they're all thirty-two, thirty-three, which 
you don't want to invest in a speed and athleticism based player at a position like that, a multi-year deal into their kind of mid thirties, if you can avoid it. And then beyond that, it's not necessarily clear that they'll have the need a second year, which is like, if you give Michael A. Taylor a two year, $20 million deal, I'm not saying he's not worth that money (laughs) in a vacuum. Right. I think there are teams teams and situations for whom he is worth that. Yes. But, how confident are you that he's not going to lose a step defensively? Because yeah. as good as as much power as he showed at the bottom of the lineup, he was in a below average all around hitter last year. And if he loses a step defensively, he's suddenly not a low end starter. He's a you know a backup basically. But then beyond that, well, what if Buxton is reasonably healthy? Right. And or what if uh, Austin, Austin Martin, Martin is a legit center fielder? Exactly. And right. then year two, you're paying Michael A. Taylor eleven million bucks guaranteed, and he's not even really your best option out there, or maybe right. even your second best option. Right. So that's a factor. Now, and obviously the the money is a factor. I mean, right now the Twins are probably pretty close to, if not at their self-imposed payroll limit. And so even to sign a guy like Michael A. Taylor or Kevin Kiermaier or even right, yeah. Harrison Bader for that right. matter, you'd have to trade away someone right. to clear that. And so I don't know that if you were to trade away Polanco, let's say, or Kepler, Vasquez, Farmer, to yeah. clear $8 million, $10 million, whatever it is, to bring in someone at that price, I don't know that center field would be number one on that list. Of course not. Do you know what I mean? Starting pitcher would be number one on that list. And I could maybe make the argument that like a right-handed bat might be number two on that. And I would suggest that, you know, that the the twins certainly have that priority in the men. And I think that what they're spending most of their time this off season is that starting pitching market. You know, they are, I think they are trade market. Yeah. In particular, the trade market, Right. right? That the, you know, free agent, market is going at a higher dollar level and year level than they were going to want to get into and always but especially especially now i mean that's been a recurring theme with the twins right another recurring theme with the twins is that they're not afraid to trade some prospects for a really good pitcher and so you know i i if they're going to end up making a a a deal for a pitcher i think that'll be via the trade market and i think if they're going to make a big trade it's going to be for a pitcher they're going to keep their powder dry for. I agree with that. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily preclude right. something from kind of. I don't want to say falling into the laps, right. but like, well, if, I mean, Taylor was available last year for a relief pitcher, right? right? Like a double I mean, A relief pitcher. If right? these guys are wanting, I talked about to a Twins official in Nashville about the free agent pitching market along these lines, where even guys like, I don't know, Frankie Montes or you know right. Tyler Maui at the time. They were early in the offseason saying, well, we want a two-year, three-year deal, even though we're sort of reclamation prospect project guys. Some of them got it. Tyler Malley got the two-year deal. Some of them are still out there. Some of them are going to end up signing one-year deals. The Twins' standpoint or the, the Twins' perspective on it was, well, that's not feasible to us at all. And so we have no choice but to wait that out. Right. If even the reclamation project kind of one-year flyer guys are wanting two-year and three-year deals at premium prices, well, we're not even in that market. So right. all we can say to agents on that is, come back to us in a month if you haven't found that, and then we can talk. And I think that's, to a lesser degree, probably true in center field, which is, like you said, Michael A. Taylor and Kevin Kiermaier and, hell, I don't know, maybe even Harrison Bader might be saying, I want a two-year deal. I want a three-year deal. Who knows? Right. They're still good players. Well, that's, I don't think, and it shouldn't be, at least in my view, feasible for the Twins. Right. So all they can say to them is, 
check back with us in three weeks if right. that's no longer the case. Right. If yeah, you right. realize yep. there isn't a two-year deal for right. you, and maybe we can do a one-year and an option, or maybe we can pay a little more of a premium on a one-year deal. And so while they don't clearly have money for that even, you know, one-year, 10 million, 12 million, or whatever, that becomes a little easier to work with if you know Kevin Kiermeyer says to them, right. all right, forget the two- and three-year deal stuff. That didn't that market didn't materialize in a way I wanted. What are we? How about a one year, twelve million? I I, I th- here's my. I'll ask you this question and I'm going to give you my answer as well. Three options, right? They end up signing a free agent to play center fielder. Right. They end up trading for a center fielder. Uh-huh. They end up not doing anything. Someone who's right. already on the They're, in the organization. Somebody in the organization. Right. They they cobble something together. Right. Which is the most likely? Which is the least likely? I think in the organization is by far the most likely. You, I mean, you, think that they, you think they, they essentially do nothing? Well, yeah. I mean, I think there right. are some scenarios where even if you traded for someone or signed a low-level guy, that Buxton is still the opening day center sure, fielder. Sure, He's in the organization. Right, right. And then you talk yeah, I'm not him. saying who's the opening day center fielder. My question is, do they make an off-season move oh. to, fill, to handle – do they make a 40-man roster addition right. that is a center fielder? Do they not make one? Or if they do make one, is it a trader signing? Right. Well, I would say, no, yeah, I guess not make one is what I would say the most likely. Because you have Buxton, who, let's be honest, whether it's free agency or trade, they're not getting anyone who's as good as even a right. sort of healthy Byron Buxton. And what's the least likely? Uh, boy. Eh. I think I, I would say signing a free agent. Yeah, I guess signing. Although. You know, I, I just don't. Really, I don't think they're going to cross. I don't think they're going to cross the boundary of one year versus two year deal. Right, and I, then the question becomes: Will all three of those guys get a two year deal, or will you know, right. Bader? First? I mean, I could see Bader one year four yeah, million or something. I, I could see that too. them signing him and just saying he's the fourth outfielder, he can be right. the center fielder or whatever because he's right handed. But yeah, I guess I would view a trade as more likely than re signing Taylor or signing Kiermaier. Yeah. But again, if a month from now they're still out there and a two-year deal has not materialized from the Twins or elsewhere, which I think is somewhat possible, at least for one, if not both of those guys, I personally wouldn't sign them to a two-year deal. No, so maybe 30 right. teams feel that way. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Or the 10 teams that need a center fielder feel right. that way. Then, yeah, I think they, they've shown an ability. I mean, part of being patient is at the end of that patience, you have to be willing to adjust. Right. To yeah. what the yeah. what the layout of the market, what that patience has yeah, sort of right. caused to shake out, and if being patient leaves Kevin Kiermaier there on a one year twelve million dollar deal, well, that's probably more than you were planning to spend in center field. Right. But you can say, well, okay, is that worth moving yeah. this guy, bringing that in? That solves a problem, and then we're stronger. I, th- I think they if they can get any of if they can get Taylor or Kiermaier on a one year deal yeah, that's right. obviously their solution right. i just don't think they're going to be able to get either. yeah i don't think so either so. i think they would like to and then the trade one is a little trickier i could see a trade like in spring training almost or or yeah, right. because the trade to me would be more Ah, Buxton, it's not going to work for him. Right. We don't want to. We want one more person who's a part of this mix who's played center right. field every day in the major league, ba- or you know, regularly in the major right. leagues for the last. Then two you years. just trade for like a fourth outfielder type who right. can play some center field or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. I mean, that's what I thought was the most likely. Obviously, they love Taylor as a as a player, and right. also he's he was very well, he's sort of a you know uh, strong silent type. Yeah, I would say, right. but it seemed yeah. very well liked. Right. I he's a very smart guy. I like talking to him. And he played really well. They like him. Um, 
Kiermaier and Baldelli go back to the, the Rays right. org together when yes. Baldelli was like a scout and a coach and a front office guy with yeah. them. Uh, and he, I mean, you can't. You I would can't be, have, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if Baldelli is heavily pushing for Kiermaier. Sure. Kiermaier is going back to his agent saying, you know, we've got a two year offer on the table from somebody, but I would much rather be with the Twins. Let's see if we can get them to go to two. Yeah, I mean, right. there's no way. And Paul is like, yeah, we should just go to two. If you watched <laughs> a young Kevin Kiermeyer play center field every day, which Rocco Badoli did yes. as a member of the Rays, you, you couldn't have enamored. come away from that. Right. Not, you can't, Untouched. Right. You're enamored because <laughs> he's just incredible. Yeah. And even at 32, 33, yeah. he remains. I mean, his metrics are great. Unbelievable. The eye test yeah. is great. He's and, a 20, he'll save you 25, 30 runs. Yeah, he, I mean, he has had years where he's yes. played. Saved 25, and last year, years. he was actually pretty decent offensively. I mean, he's similar to – he's a very different stylistically than Taylor in that Taylor is swing at everything. High strikeout rate, right. but he can pop 15, 20 homers. Right. Kiermaier is more of a left-handed hitter, kind of a slash hitter, right. makes more contact, has a little bit of power. But the end result is, you know, they're an eighth or ninth place hitter. They're an asset for a lineup. As right. a fifth or sixth place or top of the lineup guy, they're not somebody you want no. there. So it's a it's a similar equation. Okay. Before we talk about some other stuff. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, BetterHelp or one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. Um we're big believers in better help because I know when you need to talk to somebody and you finally uh, allowed yourself to talk to somebody about various problems you're working through or things that you're confused about. When you come back from the holidays and you realize why you are the way you are <laughs> after you've spent time with that's your family right, that's right, that's right. and you want to talk to someone about that, better help yep. can be a perfect solution for that. Right. They can set you up with real licensed therapists. And the thing I like about it is... If you want to do a video chat, you do a video chat. If you don't want to be on camera, you do a phone call. If you're a weirdo like me and you hate talking on the phone, you can do a live chat and just yeah. talk to, uh, type to them. They can set it up. It's typically a lot quicker uh, to schedule and set up than seeing a therapist in person can be. Yeah. It can be more affordable. It can because, be more yep, affordable, too. That's right. And so in this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman today. And you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman. Also, Fams.com. <laughs> speaking of giving, yeah, I bet you a lot of you have had a chance to uh, stop by the post office sometime in the yeah. last uh, three or four weeks. And that will make How'd you, that go for you? That will make you never <laughs> want to do that again. And a good way to avoid having to go to the post office is to use stamps.com. I've, I was a stamps.com power user for about six months a few years ago, <laughs> sending out autographed copies of my book. So I really learned, this is before they were a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, I learned the you value. You know a service is great if it allows, if Aaron actually signs up for uh, manual tedious labor. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's <laughs> got to be a great service if, he, if he's so willing the, to do that. The way it works is you can print your own postage. And your own labels, and the thing I valued is you can track it with like serial numbers and everything, so you know when stuff is delivered. So that allows you then to just drop stuff in the mailbox right. or in your building or whatever it is. That's what I did. So you can avoid going to the post office. You can also get, avoid being overcharged for postage because you can actually measure it out. And in fact, with this deal, they will sign, send you a free digital scale so you can get the exact postage. So you're not just slapping on nine stamps and paying twice what you need to pay. You can track it. It's just super easy to do. So uh, whether you're 
individual or you have a little uh, home business, That's which right. is, you know, more and more people are doing, you can give that the gift of stamps.com so your mailing and shipping is covered this holiday season and beyond. Sign up with the promo code GEEK, different, not Gleeman, yep. GEEK, G-E-E-K, yep. for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and, like I said, they will send you a digital scale too. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone uh, graphic at the yep. top of the page yep. and then enter in the code geek g-e-e-k stamps.com we mentioned at the beginning of the show how we uh had a conversation with Corey provost on patreon we also mentioned a little bit about the tv money that the dodgers have and how that is a you know a factor in these large market teams and so you know one of the big questions not just regarding payroll which we've discussed a lot on here but also just like how are we going to watch the games Next year yes. has been the Twins TV deal it's for 2024, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we uh, talked to Corey right after there was sort of a ruling about uh, you know the bankruptcy of um, Diamond, uh, Sports Diamond Sports and Ballet, right? You know that plays partly into the various machinations that are going beyond on beyond the scenes. There's been lots of reports about you know the Twins potentially going back to Bally for a one-year deal. There was a Zoom call in the winter meeting, or no, uh, when Corey Probus came on board about you know what, what could be blacked out or not blacked out on streaming. We basically wanted to have a conversation with Corey Probus, somebody close to it, yes. to kind of wrap everything into a bow, <laughs> right? And so we... Uh, we uh, we grilled him. We grilled him. <laughs> Put him under the lights. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and so you're about to listen to about a 13-minute clip about uh, Corey Provost kind of discussing what he knows about the Twins TV deal, uh, some of the directions he thinks it's going to be going. And um, this is the sort of thing that you'll get in a Patreon as well as, you know, if we end up doing a uh, uh, any emergency podcast yes, during the Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash gloom. this is the type of thing you will get. Speaking of something new, yeah. uh, let's hear what you, you – we talked a little bit before we started about what we think is going to be happening with the Twins broadcast. I know we don't know what is going to be happening with the Twins broadcast. What are you hearing and what can you share about what is what you know about what's going on? I understand there was a big court ruling on Friday that things some things are going to be extended. Can you can you bring our listeners? Yeah, up yeah it, it sounds like it sounds like we're going to get some more clarity in early January. Yeah, 10th, I think January tenth or twelfth around that time. I think is the next date to look out for, and I think once that next because um, all this is taking place in federal bankruptcy court right. in Houston. Uh, where it was the center of everything back in June, right. when all this where uh, really happened to be it. right, right. <laughs> show up. Yeah, the, right. the twins were there. The twins were there too. Yeah, right. Dave, yeah, right. Dave St. Peter testified yeah. at the, at the yeah. trial. Yeah, the twins were just oddly enough. The schedule had them right. down in Houston during that time period. But just so people know, like we've tried to make this clear, because you know, if you're just a Twins fan, you're saying with Bally or now the situation where they're just sort of in limbo. A lot of it is beyond, so far beyond the Twins' control. That they're just one of, I think, 15 teams or something like that that was controlled by Bally. Now they happen to be a free agent, but there are 14 other, I want to say, something like that. Uh, 10 to 15 other, let's call it, uh, teams that are still under contract with Bally. But the thing you're talking about is they've determined that the next sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a trial or a hearing or whatever, is going to be early. Like a term sheet. There's going to be some semblance of. If, if it goes through. If the Twins are back on Bally, it'll be for one more season. Right. And that would be because 
Some new term sheet was agreed upon by the Twins, by MLB, and by Bally that some semblance of a rights fee, it's not going to be the $60 million, but some semblance of a rights fee is going to be handed the Twins' way, and that's better than nothing. Because I don't know if MLB at this point is ready to say, okay, you know, $60 million is gone, here you go, here's, here's the pot of gold, and now take off. I don't, I don't think that that's there right now. So... Th- it may they may have to negotiate something new just for one more year, but it would be better than nothing. Right. Um, but and, I, and because the Twins are separate in the sense that their contract expired, right. and the other fourteen teams are still under contract, the idea would sort of be let's fold the Twins back in with those other fourteen teams, so that MLB can then say, all right, everybody's going to do one more year, right. and then this time next year, instead of having to figure out what to do with the Twins, right. the Padres, and the Diamondbacks solely now there's 15 teams or 18 teams and then you could do it as more of a collective group effort you can really if you were to take this approach you can launch a bigger picture thing from mlb standpoint and it's a lot easier to do it with 15 teams with 18 teams with 20 teams with half the league than it is to say what are we going to do with the twins because there's so much uncertainty and from the twins standpoint i know i've talked to some of the twins officials about this is they don't necessarily want to do something long term in terms of an agreement, even if something you know appealing presented itself, because a year from now, 14 other teams are going to be in the same boat that you're in now. Right. And maybe MLB has designs on something much bigger that they would need or want the twins involved in. So this potentially, if, like you said, it would be a one-year thing, back with Bally, sort of status quo in a lot of senses, and then would set things up for everyone's contract, then it sounds like MLB would push. And I'm confident in saying this. Would be up after next year. Right. And I'm confident that if indeed the Twins are back on Bally for the 2024 season, the, 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 the most significant change will be blackouts. Right. That blackouts yes. I'm glad you brought are that going up. away. Because you had a hold quote on, on yes. blackouts. the initial Zoom. I mean, sorry. What, 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 yeah, what kind of blackouts are we talking? So about? you were. You correct me if I'm wrong, because if you wanted to watch the Twins and you did not have cable, right, uh, in Iowa, right. in, right. Yeah. in, you, in you're Minnesota, trying to stream, it. Trying to stream right. Twins baseball, MLB TV. Right. MLB TV, without having cable, you were blocked out from viewing the Twins on the MLB.tv app. Right. 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 That is going away. Is that the that, case, even if you are in Bloomington as opposed to Iowa? My, think, my, yeah, my understanding is that if you pay, it may, I don't know what the terms are going to be. Right, Let's say right. it's going to be twenty bucks a month. Right, right. You're going to pay twenty dollars a month for MLB.tv. I would think that would give you yeah. the rights to every. I don't right. think well, that would be it, just MLB.tv yeah. provides all of the out of town. Yeah, it's not games. just Twins. <laughs> right, yeah, it's right. not just we can watch anything you right. want for twenty dollars a month. But you can therefore then because the the, the previous contract language the Twins had with Diamond and and Bally did not allow that to happen, right? right. Blackouts were in play. It was protected. Their- you know, yes, it was protected rights. That's been dissolved, and that will be dissolved in any new deal right. that does come to be. Because the Twins are prioritizing, especially after the last several years where I think they estimated, Dan Hayes wrote about this last month, I think, where they estimate their sort of what's Twins territory, something like four-point-something million potential mm-hmm. eyes, let's right. say. Yeah. Um, and they feel like they only got to about a third of those. Right. And so regardless of what the monetary situation is, which is obviously important for them, but they're prioritizing, and I think baseball is probably just heading this direction overall, right. they're prioritizing, forget 
you know, we can squeeze an extra dollar out of the situation by allowing blackouts or allowing the television channel to control that. We just want the most Twins fans to be able to tune into this, whether it's like you said, you know, you're going to have to pay for it. Right. You're going to have to be free. sign up for right. a service. You're going to have free. to do whatever. But if you want to watch it, and I know we have we have friends or listeners in, in Iowa, <laughs> yeah. and it got ridiculous. We always talk about Mike, <laughs> Mike Bates, Bates who's a former, yeah, right. or a blogger and a podcaster himself, but he, he lives in Iowa. And not only were the twins blacked out, but the Cubs and the White Sox and the Brewers and the probably you know, Cardinals, teams that probably Cardinals too, right? Teams yeah. that you could it, never it, travel Iowa, to Iowa, which does not really have a team, right. had, was blacked out of right. one third of all of the games. Right. So that that to me, I, I it was going back to what we talked about at the very beginning. Why this job was appealing? That was one of the big questions. Is that you know it wasn't the driving reason, but it was up there for me because is, is Twins baseball going to be more accessible? Come on, it's twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four is coming up here. Let's not be archaic about right. about this 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 avenue here. Let's let's be progressive. Let's find a way to just modernize the way that t- people are consuming sports. That they don't have to be just locked into their couch right. at their home. They want to be on the move. They want to be out and about weekends, boats uh, at their kids' events, and yeah, they want to have the game on in the palm of their hand. Why is that so difficult? Yes. Well, th- this new even if again, even if they're back on Bally for one more season, I'm confident in saying that they'll have that chance now to then take the Twins with them on their handheld device. Not only is that music to everyone's ears. But I think that everyone now should associate that change with Corey Provis. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just, you know, like Pavlov's dog type credit. thing. Like, ring, ring the bell. Yeah. The dogs come. Yeah. When you're watching Twins baseball on your iPhone. Yeah. When you're out you on, a, on, a, yeah. on a deck somewhere. I want that, I want that credit. Somewhere. Thanks, man. Say, Corey Provis did this for me. I, I was going to say Cleveland the Geek, but all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, we don't need that. No. But you're right. Like, it, it got to be absurd that the last like hurdle in terms of being able to watch whatever you want whenever you want it and i don't just mean sports but just whatever you know you want to watch hbo on a plane right. it got to be absurd that like the only thing you couldn't do in this world in 2023 2024 whatever was watch your local sports is watch the minnesota twins or you know baseball <laughs> right. or whatever it got to be ridiculous and that's a leftover you know part of the bubble that is essentially bursting, which we've been talking about, which is the, everything was tied to cable as a distributor. Whereas now, you know, every year that loses 10, 20% or whatever. Right. And now it's like, yeah, well, the cable companies are still running streaming and all that. And I don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years. Right. But I love the idea. And that's all Twins fans have been asking for for the last several years when the when the Bally streaming situation went the way it did and they couldn't get it on YouTube TV or Hulu or whatever. It's just... Yeah, we, we know we're going to have to pay for it, and that's a decision everybody's going right. to have to make. I mean, there are going to be some people who go, well, right. I don't want to pay $20 a month or whatever, right. and that's that's a separate that's issue. That's totally – yep, they're right. But the issue really is if I want to pay to watch Twins, can I watch Twins? And it got to be absurd, and I know the Twins agreed with this. It was just beyond their control. Right. It was out of their hands. Uh, it got to be absurd that you couldn't – there was no amount of money you could pay to watch it. So I think that is a huge thing, and I also just think for them – well, there's so much uncertainty from a monetary standpoint or revenue standpoint. We've talked about how that affects payroll and all that stuff. In the short term, long term, there's it's never going to be a bad thing to make it available to 100% of your potential audience or as close to 100% after being 30%, 40% or whatever. Because unfortunately, there are people – there's a lot of stuff people can watch. Right. And if you don't give them access to the thing they really want to watch – They'll go to the second thing they want to watch. <laughs> right, and yeah. so I think you lose out 
on so many young fans or even middle-aged and old fans who just go, well, I haven't been able to watch the Twins how I want them the last several years. And you don't know that those people are going to come back. So I think that is a huge thing for the Twins and, like you said, for you taking over this job. And don't you guys think, too, that when this ruling comes down, it will give more than anything else, it will give all parties time. This right. unknown yes, that, right. that everybody's in right now is certainly impacting how right. free agency is yes. going this winter and why the Twins haven't done anything because there's some uncertainty about what do they have yeah. available to use right. in terms of I just read building the Guardians are in the same spot. Right. Their payroll is under $100 million. I just read yesterday Dennis Lynn, our San Diego Padres writer for The Athletic, yeah. they're trying – they've had a $250 million payroll. They're getting it under two hundred. Because of the same thing, they had a twenty-year, you know, billion-dollar agreement with whatever charter. Cable. Texas, Texas, same Texas. Thing. I mean, the Texas spent champs. Texas spent what almost a, a half a billion dollars on Marcus yeah. Semyon and Corey Seager. Right. Well, they signed those deals because they yes. thought they were getting one hundred and ten million, one hundred million dollars a year annually from from their television partner. And that might be going good luck too. Right? If the good twins, luck if the Twins don't return to Valley Sports North for a one-year contract. Do you know what the other types of solutions look like? Like how. Uh, I, what other mediums people are going to be able to get, not just we, we know via streaming, MLB.tv. Right. Right. But, Which uh, the but, Padres and the Diamondbacks did at the end of last right. season. I, right. I, I think it'll be through MLB, like we saw with those two teams last year, that it, it, they'll, they'll find a way to get it. They'll, not, find, they'll find some channel on right. Comcast. On and, Comcast, right. say it's channel 499, that right. for 20 hours a day it might be the Twins logo, right? <laughs> right. And then a half hour before the game starts, <laughs> the we, pop on, show. we pop on and we just go, right? <laughs> and then the game plays. So so I think that's certainly in play. I, maybe even if, if it comes to it, maybe some weekend over the air games. Right. I don't know. Right. You know, maybe right. April yes. and May before you get in other sports, certainly before football starts, that maybe you have some chances to, to put the twins on, you know, the weekends on, on a local, you know, on a local TV channel here in town. With it key being weekend generally, because most of those affiliates already have. Yes. That they, they can't, they, they can't it. not broadcast, that's, you know, Fox. They that's can't, the right. trickiest right. part of this right. is I know, when it became clear the Twins' deal with Bally was going to expire, a lot of people were like, well, why? We got this question constantly, which is, right. why doesn't they just go to, like, you know, Fox 9 or, you or know, CBS or, or right, right, a well, KSTP? Like, right. Yeah, I mean, there are some days, particularly weekends, where that's a possibility if right. they were interested. But for the most part, those channels are running, A, the news, right. you know, 10 o'clock news. Well, the Twins are playing at 10 o'clock right. if you're running it. But beyond that... You know, Carol soap Levin operas. is running soap oh, operas, NBC stuff. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Soap operas, yes. yeah, they're and those are popular and, and those so, are sold, and yeah. And even if they weren't, like, even if the local channel said, "Well, we'd rather have the Twins than you know whatever the 8 p.m. Wednesday NBC show is," right. they have no ability to change that because part of being an NBC affiliate is you carry the you NBC have to carry product, programming, yes. And so that was a tricky thing where it's not necessarily just a hey, find a local channel because. What's beautiful about baseball and why it's been so valuable over the last several decades and why the Twins are getting $55 million a year and the Rangers are getting $110 million a year is it's 160-something nights or days and nights of programming. But for channels that don't have a shortage of programming, that's actually a negative thing Yes, because you can't just shoehorn it in. Exactly. If it's Vikings – you know, one you can probably week. find 16 one days day <laughs> right. where it's yeah, like, right. we'll preempt this and we'll yes. show it at 2 a.m. Right. right. But you can't do that six days a no. week, basically. No. So that was part of the difficulty uh, that the Twins are running into now, whereas yeah. it's, it's not just as simple as, well, go to one of the four local channels. Right. Well, yeah, that'd be great, but it's not really feasible from either from either side. 
And welcome back. That was Corey Provis and John Bonus and a young upstart. <laughs> Aaron Gleeman of TheAthletic.com. The <laughs> uh, we should cool. start giving that be one of our promo codes on various ads. So we'd like you uh, use uh, uh, stamps.com slash Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. Gleeman of The Athletic, something like that. Uh, thank you to Corey for being a, a great guest and yes. for also talking to us for uh, 50% longer than he agreed to talk to us, basically. <laughs> and he actually, it was his anniversary. His anniversary. He was like, I got to go. With his wife. We, were yeah, having, right? we were having fun. Yeah, we totally uh, tied him up. So you can listen to that whole episode. It's like 90 minutes long uh, on patreon.com slash Gleeman. And you can get the whole archive for free when you right. sign up. And we'll be doing... Uh, Probably a mailbag episode like Wednesday after the yep. holidays, yep. maybe. Uh, assuming yes. there's no yeah. moves. We won't be doing another free podcast, I think, until week, two weeks from today. We won't be right. doing one just before New Year's. But we will d- almost definitely be doing a mailbag Patreon episode sometime next week. And then, of course, when the Twins make a trade for Corbin Burns, we're going to have the emergency <laughs> podcast yeah. over over the SEs. So you will, uh, you'll be able to hear that as well. So uh, Okay. The, before we talk about, actually, some trade uh, stuff that we're going to talk about, to finish up here, let's talk about our last sponsor, which is the Game Time app. Right uh, on your phone. I am just a fishing power user. Up. I was Game Time apping yesterday to see if I can go fit uh, get some tickets to the Detroit Lions Vikings Christmas Eve game. I have not pulled the trigger yet. Yeah, but doing a little research, I love the way that they. Kind of organize thing, even online. Uh, you know, so you can kind of see. Sometimes it's easier to use those on a uh, on a desktop, but the Game Time app isn't a desktop website it's an app right so you're going to go out there you're going to download the game time app it does a real nice job of showing you where the different sections are kind of an overview you can kind of go around and say okay this section best that, values in yeah where some of, of the best values are their specialty I, I have literally bought them while i am tailgating five minutes before the game and had them delivered to my phone yeah because their specialty is hard to find tickets and right. it can be sporting events shows everything but also last minute tickets right like if you're walking to target field or if you're a wolves fan right. you're walking to target center you yeah. a couple of clicks you can yeah. have it on your phone by the time you get to the gate and they can scan you in yeah. uh, and if you if you download you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with the game time app download the game time app create an account use the code gleeman and you get $20 off your first purchase terms apply create an account on the game time app Redeem the code Gleeman, G-L-E-E-M-A-N. You get 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Okay, so to finish up here, um, we talk a lot about trades from the incoming standpoint. Like, could they trade for a center field? Right. John's talking about Corbin Burns. (laughs) You know, they traded for Pablo Lopez. They traded for Sonny Gray. They traded for Tyler Maui, Kent Maeda, and on and on and on. They've traded for a lot of pitchers. And yet people every time seem completely befuddled at the notion that they would trade for a starting pitcher. (laughs) How how do we know that? Well, they've done it every offer. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes twice. Yeah, I I was, I think the last time we did a free podcast, I was a little like, "Eh, I'm not really sure they're going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, well, they've only done it seven times They they do keep pulling it off. And ultimately what it comes down to is, it's not like they have any shortage of assets that they could trade for a great right. starting pitcher. It's just a matter of you know how much are they willing to pay. So, it's just that you're paying in cha- terms of prospects or players right. instead of in terms of uh, instead of money. Right. So, let's talk a little bit about those assets, the yes. outgoing aspect of trades. Uh, obviously, one of the things we I would say certainly more so than like Twins Daily, 
this is my influence on the podcast. <laughs> I don't let us veer down the path of specific trade ideas very often mm-hmm. because I just think it's so often a waste of time two ways. One is that's not generally how the twins view things. In other words, there's surely articles and threads on Twins Daily or Reddit or whatever, sure. Twitter or whatever, where people are like, how much would it cost to get Corbin Burns or to right. get fill-in-the-blank pitcher, specific pitcher from a specific team? But that's not really how the Twins view it. Obviously, they have guys that they would like to target, but they're like viewing it from a bucket. Here's a bucket of eight starters who we think fit this description. We're trying to a guy from this yeah. bucket, basically. So right. that's part of why I shy away from it. Yeah. The other it's, reason... It's, it's similar to what free agents... You'd see a bucket of right. these types of free agents. Now, they don't all cost the same. Right. Some are a little they bit... They have more, preferences. Are, right, and all that's that. right. But then the other reason I, why I tend to keep us from veering down that path is I just think a lot of the times it's just pure kind of baseless speculation. Sure. And it gets a little silly at times because inevitably what it what happens if you're reading a forum or you're reading whatever or listening to a podcast that veers more along those lines, um, who has a less jerky uh, host than me, <laughs> um, it's like, well, uh, they want Corbin Burns from the Brewers. Right. Well, what would they have to trade for Corbin Burns? And you look, and yeah. after a few back and forth in the discussion, it's, well, we'll give them these 11 steam-rated <laughs> yeah, prospects yeah, yeah, for them, right. and uh, we'll kick in, uh, you know, I don't know, Willie Castro or something <laughs> like that. Sure, and it's like, sure. okay, fine. And it gets to be to the point that if you showed that to the same sure, forum but right. for the other team, right. they would go, of course. Well, y'all are not. Like, what are y'all talking about here? And it's the opposite right. for that. Yes. And so I, I tend to not see as much value in that. It's fun. Sure. Like that, I mean, it'd be better for clicks and all this stuff if we did that. Right. But I more look at it as like, what what is the type of player they're trying to acquire? In this case, I think we can be pretty certain it's, you know, a playoff caliber starter. Mid-rotation <laughs> or higher starter, playoff caliber starter, frontline starter, however you want right. to name it. They've shown a willingness and an ability to acquire that pretty much every offseason um, of late. But then, and so, yeah, like you said, it's a matter of cost. It's a matter of age. It's a matter of performance and then team control, all that. It's sort of a sliding scale on this. It's not that there are guys they think are better, but the guy they think is the best pitcher available might not be their top target because if that guy costs twice as much to acquire and only has one year of team control whereas a guy who's slightly less good as a pitcher but costs costs half as much to acquire and has three years of team control where they're going to value the technically lesser pitcher more so that's part of it but then the flip side also is you don't really need to name like, oh, this is the guy they're going to trade for a starting pitcher. Now, sure. in some cases, with like Polanco and Kepler, when those guys are clearly the most prominent potential trade candidates, right. they would like to find that fit. But realistically, it's not as if like last season, they did not go, we're going to trade Luis Arise. What's the best pitcher we can get right. for Luis Arise? Or we're going to trade Bruce Dargraderall. Yeah. What's the best pitcher we can get for Bruce Dargraderall? It's more, hey, we're interested in Pablo Lopez. Right. And I can tell you, when those negotiations started, it didn't start with Luis Arise. Right. The Twins were trying to make that yes. happen with other, with other major league with other hitters. Right, that's right. And you can probably fill in the blanks there. And the Marlins just said, no, that doesn't work for us. Right. We, we like right. Luis Arise. That's right. Um, and so... How do you value that? And that's subjective too. But I wrote a few weeks ago on The Athletic, uh, my future value, 
big board, I call it, but really all it is is trade value. You can view it both ways, which is if I kind of, in my head, how I determine the rankings is if everybody in the Twins organization, if you wipe the slate clean and they had no players in the organization, who would you pick first to restart the organization? And that includes their actual age, their actual you know ability yeah. and health, right. but also their, their contract, contract yeah. contractual status. And so, for instance, Walker Jenkins has played twenty games in the minors, right? But he's eighteen. He's got full team control and tremendous upside. Well, actually, didn't have him number one on the list. Somewhat I was, controversial. I, I yeah, by the way, I've deliberately you write this story every year. I've uh-huh. deliberately not read this one. And he actually because I wanted so, I wanted to save in case we were talking. about He's it. so committed to not revealing to himself my list <laughs> that he avoids reading everything else I write for the other <laughs> 364 days a year. Not true. <laughs> but bit, sometimes it's a good bit though. <laughs> I like it as a bit. Um, yes. Okay. So. Whereas, like, let me guess where Walker Jenkins is. But off that list. whereas, like, oh, well, it's not that hard. <laughs> okay, but okay. whereas there are good players. I remember, uh, like, Sonny Gray last year, on last year's ver- this time last year, right. I wrote the list, and people were like, "Well, you have Sonny Gray way too low," and I'm like, "Well, you got to remember though, yeah, we're he's not a free agent. This <laughs> right? <laughs> he has year, one, right? It's one year of Sonny right. Gray versus, like, for example, six years of Brooks Lee right. or seven years of Brooks right. Lee potentially." And, you know, in this case, it's like, well, yeah, Max Kepler is as good or better than, like, Matt Wallner, sure, let's say. Right. You can debate that, obviously. but Except you're not just comparing how good the player is. You have only one year of Max right. Kepler. He'll be a free agent after this upcoming season. And that one year is priced at $10 million. You have six more years of Matt Wallner, the, first, the next three of which he'll make the minimum salary. And so that's... How you kind of how I try to balance this age upside, but the team control aspect plays a big part. So, I mean, the first few guys on this list, nobody's going to want to trade, right? But I will say, we we get asked this a lot on mailbags. I get asked this when I do mailbags for the athletic too. Who's untouchable in the Twins farm system? <laughs> right. No one. Yeah, that, yeah, right. No one's ever untouchable. Now there are players you would you've been in your head building around, right? And would take a ridiculous offer to get, but there's never been a prospect who's truly untouchable. It's everybody's got a price, like uh, Ted DiBiase once said when right. I was a child, the million dollar man, <laughs> which is you know Walker Jenkins is probably the best Twins prospect since Buxton. Yes, I think you can make the argument from like a. Uh, polish and health standpoint given what we know about buxton that he might be like kind of the best twins prospect since mauer maybe you know one of those two sure but if someone called if the orioles called right and said we'll give you gunner henderson adley rushman <laughs> and you can pick a prospect right well they, yeah of course you would do that right, there's right, no right. untouchable sure. it's just you know the scale is a lot higher on these right. guys so the, the, it it comes down to what would ever be a reasonable like yes. what, what, yeah what would never happen right. right but it could happen like you're not saying it's yeah, go ahead i mean you see juan soto got traded right. from a team that he just won a world series for and he was 23 years old he's on a right. hall of fame path well right. they traded him like yeah. i mean right. should happen yeah. stuff oops, sorry stuff <laughs> happened. uh okay so you and you can by the way 
John probably disagrees with all kinds of these. <laughs> we'll see, I'll see where that I mean, he's wrong, but he can disagree. <laughs> no. uh, I had, I debated this a lot because. You going to start at the top? Yeah, I'll okay, start, I'll start at the top. The top good. It doesn't need to be a letter. No, I agree with you. Top. I'm with it. Because um, here's the thing. People already read it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, not, what are we that's, revealing? It's an old story. But typically, the top of this list is either going to be a very young sort of all-star. Right. Or a guy who hasn't even reached the majors right. yet. Because you're talking about what's the future value right. under team control. So Walker Jenkins is a great example of that. Walker Jenkins has, has been in the organization for like six months, not even six months. Right. He's 18. He's played 20 games. Do we know really what he's going to be? No, but the upside is almost limitless. Right. You have full team control over him. And if the Twins said to other teams today, we're looking to trade Walker Jenkins. Right. Give us your best offers. The names they would be offered for Walker Jenkins in terms of like a frontline starting pitcher are – they're right. they're obscene. Right. I'm not talking about like Corbin Burns. Right. They they could get Corbin. They if they wanted Corbin Burns today, they could get Corbin Burns for Walker Jenkins, and the Brewers would give them other right. stuff. Yes. I'm talking about for guys sure. who yeah. are like 26 year old all stars with right. multiple years. I mean, they could get that for Walker right. Jenkins. Now right. it's a separate topic whether that's actually something they should pursue, but that's not what we're talking about. But then the other part of me is I do value the certainty of it, and so like Royce Lewis. Still has five years of team control, right? And the the injury part clouds this a lot more. A but let's bit, yeah. sort of set that aside and just more like theoretically. There's, I'm so much more certain, if healthy, that Royce Lewis is a really good major league baseball player. Whereas, no matter how good an right. 18 year old prospect is, yep. there's still a 10 percent, 20 percent. I feel the same way. I think you and I both that they're land just not good, this, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's nothing against Walker Jenkins. That's just life right i mean it's gonna take him four years to get to the majors or whatever and it's like a lot of stuff can happen so i i put royce lewis at number yeah. one oh, good that's what i had to i don't know that that's necessarily true like if the twins sent out an email to 29 right. blind carbon copy to 29 right. gms yeah. and said royce lewis is available yeah. and walker jenkins is available which send you us want? your best offer yeah, just i think there might be some variance there but at least how i tend to and this goes to my prospect rankings too. I tend to value guys who have proven it at double A AA and triple A. We talked about this, like relative to baseball America. Right. I want more information available. I want more certainty. And upside is still the key here, but it's not like Royce Lewis is lacking in upside. I mean, Royce Lewis might already be an all star, and you got five more years of him, and he's in the majors already. Whereas Walker Jenkins, what would be a good outcome for Walker Jenkins at 18? If he's as good as Royce Lewis, right? Hopefully, yeah, without right. the injury right. factor. Yes. So I had Royce Lewis number one. I'm interested to see how you step well, Wa- through two, three, four. I had Walker Jenkins number two. Okay. Uh, after that, I would say you can sort of arrange this in some different ways, but <laughs> I kind of had. So you have those two sort of a, a half step above. Yeah, I would say. Okay. I put it this way: if you pulled every member of the Twins, if you pulled every front office executive in baseball. And said, "You got You get first pick of the Twins organization. Who are you drafting? I think every single one would draft one either Walker Jenkins or Royce Lewis. Yeah. Whereas if those two are off the board, and you say who are you then picking third? I think there's room for all kinds of disagreement okay. there. So I had Brooks Lee number three. Okay, which <clears throat> I can already see what's going to happen with Brooks Lee, which is because Walker Jenkins is there." This sort of happened to like Sano or Barrios with Buxton, 
which is you have these sort of A-level prospect, right. uh, you know, consensus. Brooks Lee's probably a consensus top you, forty you, prospect. Right. You you have this you have this prospect that everybody's going to get carried away with, <laughs> right? Like like Buxton, right? Well, or yeah, it's like Jenkins, if right? you put Brooks Lee in twenty other organizations, mm-hmm. or for that matter, you put him in nineteen of the last twenty Twins prospect lists, right. he, people would be going nuts for Brooks Lee. Right. It's like he's a consensus top 40, top right. 50 prospect. He's a, almost sure to be a quality regular. He's got some star upside. He's pretty close to the majors. He was a top 10 pick. Except when you add Walker Jenkins to the mix, and it's like, well, this guy has unlimited potential. He's a consensus top 20 prospect. Right. He's got MVP caliber upside. Well, then it's like, well, Brooks Lee's only their number two prospect. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Well, yeah, but I mean. And so Brooks Lee to me is an interesting mix of what we we're talking about, which is he has a lot of certainty for a guy who hasn't played in the majors. Right. In that I'm pretty confident, and I think the Twins feel this way too, I'm not confident that he's going to be like an MVP candidate or even like a five-time All-Star, but I'm pretty confident that 10 years from now – He's going to have an eight-year career. Right. <laughs> right he's going to yeah, be a right. quality major league yeah, player, yeah. a starting caliber major league yeah, player. Yeah. And so – He will hit free agency and get paid. Right. And yeah, get, yeah, right. That's right. <clears throat> and – Part of that is just like his player type, but part of it is that he hit well at double A, he held his own at triple A, he has a good college career and all that stuff. So I put him at number three. I think you can make an argument, let's see, that he would be as low as like number five or six maybe, but I put him at number three Okay. Uh, because I do think he's got a high level of certainty for a prospect and still has pretty good upside. Number four... Well, this one, I don't mean I could put him anywhere in the top ten, probably. But I, I put Julian. At <laughs> okay, four. good. So you hit the same f- my top four as well. Okay. Those were the top That's four. I would, I, and I, I, I didn't even prep last night on this. I'm just literally sitting down and thinking on the top, right? Yeah, John, I believe <laughs> you. Believe it? Yeah. <laughs> when you say, I, I was, there's two uh, things I believe. When about. I was drinking uh, f- hazies with Phil Miller, okay. I was not actually prepping. This. Here's three things I believe about John. <laughs> he went out drinking beer last night. He didn't read my article, and he didn't prep for the show. Those are three things I will always believe. <laughs> right. uh, um, I wondered how you divide two, three, and four because they're an interesting mix in terms of. I think what they reveal to some extent is sort of um, your value system, and I wondered if you would have Brooks Lee over Jenkins, in part because I know you value somebody right. who's closer to the majors sure. than somebody who is further away from the majors. And, and listen, there's. All kinds of reasons to be really crazy excited about Jenkins. I mean, let's, he yeah. could not have had a better six months or three months you know, than well, he did. Well, that's part of right, it. Right? Is, like, if you would have asked me this, and in fact, I did a, when they drafted Jenkins in July, right. I did a midseason top 20, just like a quick article on The Athletic. Like, here's an update. Right. And I had Brooks Lee ahead of him, but the whole write up about Jenkins and Brooks Lee was I don't actually think this will be the case. Three months from now? Right. But until, like we talked yeah, about, the right. lemon test That's right. for Jenkins because right. he hadn't debuted yet. Right. And so I thought, I, I said, you know, I realized this is going to be sort of weird because lists for are going to. top five pick. Right. right. Yeah. Right. But then he went and played 30 games. Right. And he hit 340 with power right. and didn't strike out and he looked good. Right. And everybody was in awe of him. And I thought, all right, well, that's enough. Now, that's, right. that's not double A and triple A. But I think that combined with the upside, he is a better prospect than Brooks Lee. And I will say, like, Twins officials really like Brooks Lee. But what they say about Jenkins is, like, on another level of, like, yeah. so that's I how mean, I, I I think that can happen, though, just because out of um, 
Sure. P- people like it getting excited, and they you see somebody with a, a crazy amount of potential, sure. and when you get to by the time you've gotten to AAA. Yeah, you've already established my ceiling is much higher than what this guy who's barely been in the you know thing is. But my ce- I mean, my floor is already much right. higher than that. But my ceiling is never going to be. You're going to have more trouble getting. Flaws. You're going to yeah. You're going to have trouble getting carried away right. with me the same way you would you know two years. I mean, ago, that's true. Of, think of it like uh, dating. You know, we're famous for our dating talk on the show. <laughs> we once yeah, were yeah. famous for that right, for yeah. about six months. People hated it. <laughs> uh, but only one somebody really, only one person really hated it. <laughs> no, people didn't really like it. Um, but like you know, first few weeks or months you're dating somebody, it's like they got unlimited upside. Right, that's right. And then you start to go, you get more information about them, and hopefully yeah. that causes you to fall in love with that person, which right. yes. we both are, I think are in that situation, yeah. not with each other. Well, sort of with each other. <laughs> but you do reveal the flaws of that person. I right. just joked about John's yeah. flaws, basically. <laughs> but that doesn't take away from the fact that he's a really good player. It just means, along with learning more information about right. him, I learned about the flaws about him. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, yeah. So that with Julian, I well, mean, that, I'm just and, very and that, so, yeah, certain he can hit. Yeah, and that's the that's the that's the why I was interested in two, three, four because Julian has an even higher level of certainty than Lee. Right. Right. Doesn't have the defensive. Still, right. although. We've seen enough from the defense. Like his defense definitely got yeah. better last year. Well, here's the but the, the telltale the on that is, I think probably like in June, Brooks Lee is going to take the position that Julian has, <laughs> well, and Julian's going to move to a different position. Probably, point. I think that's kind of how it's setting up. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like I'm just, and we talked about Julian like this last spring. I mean, Baldelli right. was going nuts for him last spring. He, I mean, you just watch him, and it's like it's kind of like how we talk about relievers sometimes, like with Duran when they move him to the bullpen. It doesn't have to be that complicated. If you throw 101 and you got a good breaking ball, you're going to be a good reliever. Like right. there are levels to it, like polish and sure. control and all that. But like if you're Julian and you have you never swing at non-strikes right. and you have 20 homer power right. and you well, you strike out a lot, you don't strike out 40% of the time. Right. You're going to be a pretty good hitter. Like those are yeah. like the baseline skills. Now the defensive question with him I think there's also we probably saw a good version of him from a batting average standpoint this year, like batting average on balls in play, luck a little bit with that strikeout rate. Like I think I don't know what he hit, but he hit like 280 probably or something right. like that. I think more likely he's like a 250 hitter if he doesn't change stylistically. Yeah. So maybe that caps him a little bit. If he ends up being a decent second baseman, that's big. But if he ends up being a first base DH, that takes some of the upside away. But I'm just so certain he can hit. Right. And I think the twins believe. I mean, I think they just want him to be the leadoff man for the next five years, basically. Yes. And so, yeah, I would value that. And all these guys, Lewis has five years of team control right. and will be minimum yeah. salary for yeah. the next. This, several. this is the key, the, right? Uh, Jenkins and Lee have the full six plus years right. of team control, right. including the minimum salary years. Right. And then Julian has not used up a year. Right. So he has six full years of team control because he was he didn't use up a full year of service time. Oh, he was he not called up at opening day? He was on the no, opening June days? or something. He didn't get the job. Oh, okay. I mean, he was All called right. up a couple right. times. Okay. So that's huge too. And well. the reason I bring that up here is that the number right. five guy on my list is the first guy who's making money. Okay. And that's Pablo Lopez. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering and about this too. This becomes it's very tricky, or I found it tricky, to compare, you know, Brooks Lee, right. who's yet to debut and has six years of team control, three of which will be making the minimum. To Pablo Lopez, who's a right. all-star, 
and is making eight million this year, and then will start making twenty one million dollars a yeah. year for the next three years. So he has less team control. That team control is much better compensated. So the value is different. Like right. he's valuable, but is Brooks Lee for seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars more valuable than Pablo Lopez for twenty one million? Even, even if you're just talking team building. Is yeah, I mean. I think, yes, you can say Brooks Lee is more valuable. That seems to be they're at a different level. But, you know, how about like Joe Ryan? Like Joe Ryan is somebody right. who's all under. More team control and cheaper team control, right. but he's and, not as good. Look, you know, not as good, you know, this year and showed some flaws, especially in the middle of the year, et cetera. But if you asked me in April or May, I might have said, no, I think he's probably right. more valuable. Here's how I ultimately decided to put Lopez fifth, which I think you could put Lopez as high as like third. Or as low as like tenth, if you really are obsessed with the monetary aspect. Because yeah. if you're like, well, he's making twenty one million a year. Right. What's the excess value of right. that? It's not that huge. I mean, maybe he's a thirty million dollar pitcher or something like that. But I think there's a like a opportunity cost that the Twins paid basically sure. to just get him. You can't just right. get a pitcher like that. Where was a rise on your list last okay, year? Is, <laughs> I'll go with that note. A rise was last thought. This there is we the go. Good, good. Okay, good. We think alike. <laughs> this really is a marriage. <laughs> yeah, okay. This really is a marriage, John. Okay. Yep. Um, the way I thought about it ultimately was, well, if they were trying to trade for a clone of Pablo Lopez – after the season he just had with the right. contract he now signed with the Twins, what would they have to give up? Right. Well, we saw last offseason they had to give up Luis Arise, who was number six on my list this time last year. Okay. Which, you know, you could argue that's low or high or whatever. But you got to remember, Lopez has improved his performance significantly since then. Right, yeah. And the contract he signed with the Twins, at least as of right now, is even more favorable because it added two years of team control. Now right. they had to pay him, but it added two years of team control to what they initially acquired from the Marlins. So right. you would have to say that Lopez is more valuable today as sort of a trade asset than right. the version of him that they traded for. So if yeah. they traded the number six guy on last year's list, now last year's list didn't have Walker Jenkins. Right. Uh, Brooks Lee hadn't proven much. Royce Lewis was still injured. So it's a much stronger top right. of the yep. list this year. Yep. But I thought at minimum he's as valuable as a rise was last year and probably more. So that's why I, I put him fifth. All right. Um, all right. We don't have to spend that much time let's on keep, Let's keep it. I want to hear it through about six or ten. Okay. Now. Like, so, uh, where's Walner? <laughs> yeah. So number six, I have Duran. Okay. Now, Interesting. part of that can vary a lot depending on what you think about relievers. Yep. But to me, and I'm not that – I don't value relievers – that high, I think. Right. Like, I'm probably lower than most, just yeah, in general. I think so. Like, I'm not a guy who would go spend huge money on relievers, but he's at the very high end of relievers, obviously. And he has four more years of team control. And well, some of those are going to get expensive, but yeah. True. And especially now that he's an actual closer and he's right. getting saves, yeah. which get paid in arbitration. Right. Um, but the next two or three years should be reasonable money. Okay. And I just thought, well, We've seen what like a high-end reliever gets. A high-end reliever with team control gets on the free age, or on the trade market. If the Twins were to try to trade Yonder on, right. would they get a prospect similar to Emmanuel Rodriguez, who I have seventh? I think so. I was gonna say. I was gonna suggest. I was gonna see where Emmanuel Rodriguez was. Well, he's seventh. Right? So okay. those were kind of to me interchangeable because I thought. 
what would the Twins kind of trying to be getting if they were to trade Duran? It's probably a top 100 prospect with some upside right. like Emmanuel Rodriguez. Now, obviously, these are subjective, but that's sort of how I try to think of it. So I have Duran sixth. Yep. I have Emmanuel Rodriguez seventh. And again, what I said about Brooks Lee being sort of overshadowed by Jenkins – it's Emmanuel Rodriguez has that about Brooks Lee and Jenkins. Right. There are a lot. I would say half the teams in baseball, probably at least a third of the teams in baseball, Emmanuel Rodriguez would be clearly their top prospect. Right. He's probably going to yeah. be like number 75 on a lot of lists overall. Yeah. And yet he's no higher than second and probably third on right. most twins lists. So it's, you know, it's all relative. So that's, and then to me, there's a drop off. I think the one two are clear. Okay. Jenkins or uh, Lewis okay. Jenkins. Then I think the sort of Lee, Julian, Lopez, Duran, Emmanuel Rodriguez, what's that, five guys okay. are a chunk. And then I see a drop off, and the name you mentioned them already, I have number eight, is Joe Ryan. Okay. And Joe Ryan just there's a lot of uncertainty with him the way his season went, I think. Right. But you have uh we got four seasons of team control. He's gonna start to get expensive relatively soon. Yeah. The question with him is like the upside. Is he just kind of a pretty good mid rotation starter, or do you think he yeah, can be you right. know a number two starter? So I have Joe Ryan eighth, and then I have Bailey Ober ninth. Okay, yeah. Like I would choose Joe Ryan over Bailey Ober. I would too. But they both have the same nope. team control. Yeah, I, they're roughly the same age. I think a lot of people under underrate Bailey Ober is what I think. Yeah, I'm really saying Bailey Ober has been better than Joe Ryan, right? In a less strikeout driven way. Right. And he has more – his question marks are like more durability-based, whereas Joe Ryan's question marks are more perform or like consistency-based, sure. I would say. Yeah. But they're both kind of mid youngish, mid-rotation, team-controlled starters. So I would say 8-9. And then number 10, I have uh, Matt Walner. Walner. Okay. Uh, I've been probably – well, when he was still stuck at AAA, <laughs> I was accused of being – Way too high on Matt right. Walner yep. when I was calling for them to trade Kepler and ditch Gallo and all sorts of stuff. Then they actually gave him a chance, and now a lot of people are pretty high on Matt right. Walner. I don't think he has the same level of certainty with like as like Ed Julian, but I'm pretty sure Matt Walner can hit. Now, the strikeout rate and the lack of defensive, you know, range or like clumsiness in the outfield cap his value a little bit. I mean, if he ends up being a two ten hitter. Just because of the strikeouts, well, then, yeah, he's not an impact player. He's more like a number six hitter. He's a good hitter, but he's not someone you build around. But if he can – I have a little more confidence in him being more of a pure hitter than just a slugger. Like, I thought he made some really nice adjustments during the season on, like, high fastballs. Yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be a high contact guy. But if he can keep his strikeout rate high instead of, like, Gallo-esque or Sano-esque – I think he's going to draw walks because he has a pretty good eye at the plate, and I think he's going to hit 30 homers a year. And I think, well, he's not a great outfielder. He has a great arm, which has value, and I think he's fine in left field or right field. And so, and six years of team control, yeah. by the way. Yeah, right. Which is like his is whole that what sub, Is the team control what separates him from Ryan Jeffers in your mind? Yeah, because Jeffers only has three right. team control. Yeah. But guess where Ryan Jeffers is? 11. Yeah, yeah 11. Boy, we're on the same page. I think you're cheating, John. I think you read this article five <laughs> times. I think you printed it out Maybe. and hung it on your wall. Uh, you framed it. Varland at 12? Yeah. Is that right? Are you? Yeah. Uh, did you go past 10? Yeah, I went 20. Okay, okay. All Keep right, going, right. I guess. 13, uh, I bet you don't get. Brock Stewart? 
But that's interesting. I did debate him for the top 20. He didn't make that. Okay. 13, I put Correa. And here was my thinking on Correa. All right. This was the most controversial. The comments were filled with I thought you'd only did 10, so I definitely did not read this. (laughs) I thought we were wrapping up the podcast. We will. We will. (laughs) That was my throwaway. I like that we got to Correa because Correa was the trickiest one because you can make the argument. Because what is this list basically? All this list is is my attempt to determine excess value relative to team control and money. So, like, with Lopez, he's got a 70-something million dollar contract, but I'm basically saying he's worth twice that. Right. Well, Correa's worth a lot, but he's owed $165 million over the next five right. years. I think you can make the argument if you believe he's not going to bounce back fully because of the health issues, because he had a really bad year sure, yeah. for, by his standards, for sure, that he's a negative value. Yeah. In which case, he shouldn't even be on this I wondered this list. that, but I thought, no. Teams would absolutely pick him up. That's the thing. So I did yep. ask around a couple people I know in other front offices, and I said, "Just I'm not even talking specifically about Carlos Correa, like your right. thoughts about his ankle and all that. I'm saying, A, if Carlos Correa was a free agent right now, would he still get $150 million? Right. And they all said, absolutely. Right. I mean, we saw. We're going to see guys get that. Right. Yeah. But then I also thought, if the Twins said, you know what, it's not working out. Correa wants out. He's going to waive his no trade. They could. Tr- I said, could we're they gonna tr- put him. We're gonna put him on waivers. Is anybody gonna claim? Well, right. Him? <laughs> Somebody would claim. <laughs> right. him. Yeah. But I think the Twins could act, get actual trade value. Yeah, and then my so. goal was, well, I'm trying to figure out what kind of trade value. Right. Well, so he's around Varlin. Like, could they get a Louis Varlin type? Right. For Carlos Correa, I think realistically they could probably. And so, but I do think that if you just think he has a negative contract or negative value. Right. Then he shouldn't be on this list sure, at all. Sure, of course. Right. But I think he's sort of an in between. Now, this time next year, we're going to know for sure. Right. Like, well, we'll you have know a better I mean? idea. I right. mean, if he does this right. again, then yes. it's not just a. Now it's a real concern. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. So I had him 13th. I'll just read the last uh, yeah, seven names. Uh, Kirilov. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I like him. I think I would have moved him up that list. Uh, David Festa. Okay. Marco Raya. Those yeah, are their two best yeah, pitching prospects. Yeah. Uh, Polanco. I was going to say, where, yeah. Which, here's my thought on Polanco. We're, we're about to, f- probably about to find out what his trade value right. is. Yeah, I think so too. So, what, if, if I said to you the Twins are going to trade Polanco, what are you hoping to get? Now, obviously, you would hope for like a frontline starting pitcher, but realistically, yeah. you might be hoping to get a borderline top 100 prospect yeah, for Jorge Polanco. Well, I have him in between Marco Raya and Austin Martin. Yeah. That's yeah. the type of prospect. Not yeah. a, Top. So that's kind of how I. I mean, I, I think what I'm hoping to get out of it is uh, two thirds of a playoff caliber starter. <laughs> two thirds of a of, of, of a one year deal on a playoff caliber starter, something like that. Like, I, 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 well, I would I, right. Polanco plus for somebody like right. a Burns or a. Right, uh, right. So I had Polanco seventeenth, Austin Martin eighteenth, okay, Jose Miranda nineteenth, and Chris Paddock twentieth. I did think about Brock Stewart as a cutesy number 20. Yeah. Because the weird part about Brock Stewart is he's, he's been around forever <laughs> right, and yeah. he's 30 or 31 even maybe. Might be he's probably 30. But the they have him for team four more years. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. And he's not going to be expensive. Yeah. So, like, if they can keep him healthy, right. that's pretty valuable. He goes up this list considerably if he has a good right. year next year. But I do and that doesn't always happen because once you use up those two years of team right. control, they can fall down the list. But too. I do think with Paddock, the, similar to Lopez, the extension they signed yeah. Paddock to added Maybe. value because yeah. it extended the team control. No Kepler, though. No Kepler. Because to me with one Kepler, year. you would 
the, all the guys on this top 20, if the Twins could get a clone of that guy for Kepler in a trade, yeah. I would be happy with that. Yeah, probably. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas Polanco's got the two years of team control and plays a more premium position. I mean, that's Maybe. debatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, I mean, this is all subjective. Uh, so, okay. just What to, was 20 on the list again? Chris Paddock. Oh, Paddock yeah. So just to wrap up how this is in terms of actual potential trades as they look to get a starting pitcher or a center fielder or whatever. You know, the top three, four, five guys on this list, I have a very hard time. I mean, they're not trading Pablo no. Lopez. They're not trading Royce. No. They're not trading Brooks Lee. They're not trading no. all these guys. Uh, now, could they trade number seven, Emmanuel Rodriguez? I don't think they would like to do that. But if a Pablo Lopez type were available in a trade, yeah, somebody who's under multiple, you know, a and so number on. seventy-five to a hundred range top prospect who was at low or high A this past year, right? That's not an unreasonable ask, right. and they have shown a willingness to trade that level of player, whether it was Gratterall, whether it was Chase Petty, where you know that type yeah. of thing. Um, you know, obviously Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober. I think they're probably getting calls on those guys because they're younger, sure. team-controlled starters. Of but like l- logically, it wouldn't really make sense no. to trade unless you could trade like Bailey Ober plus a prospect for like a better version of sure, Bailey Ober sure, sure. or a more was, veteran, right. higher-end version of Bailey Ober. Those but that's guys, a pretty that's, that, never, that kind of trade never happens. To thread that needle <laughs> right, is that's pretty. A, yeah, that's a, yeah, right. Now, then you get past that point, you get to like Matt Walner. Yeah, Louis Varlin, Kirilov, Festa, Raya, yeah, uh, Polanco. Polanco, obviously, Austin Martin, Miranda. I could yeah. see all those names in some, you know, individually or in combo, being the names that are bandied about to packages for you know a Sunny Gray type that they sure. took two years ago, or the Pablo Lopez of last year, or the Kent of four years ago, or whatever. Like you're trying to get a number two or number three starter. Well, they're going to ask you about your best pitching prospects. Yeah, well, yeah. that's Fest and Raya. They're going to ask you about Polanco, possibly. They're going to ask you about, you know, Louis Varlin. Right. Uh, they're going to ask you about, you know, Kirloff or Miranda as sort of depressed assets that still potentially are impact bad. Yeah, right. So all those names, I feel like they do have the 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 bullets to get that done. I mean, I, do, I think that's a pretty good group. Yeah. And there's other guys we haven't even mentioned. I mean, what, what it suggests is what we kind of started this segment with is if they want to pay the freight they can get themselves a good right. playoff caliber starting yes. pitcher. Yeah, you know, we yes, it is hard to find a trade partner, right? Yes, those guys are going to be in demand amongst other teams, like other teams. If the Twins are talking to the Milwaukee about Burns, a lot of a lot of yes. teams are talking Milwaukee about Burns. Yes. Like, and if right, you right. if you're doing that or Dylan Cease or right. something like yes, that, right. they're going to ask about Emmanuel Rodriguez, right. maybe more. I don't that's know. Right. But that's, that's right. the type of guy but, they're going to. But ask it's about. not like you don't have. It's not like you can't match the price. You can. It's right. just a matter of whether or not right. you want to. Well, and then getting back to the idea of they tend to view this in sort of buckets. You call the Brewers, and Corbin Burns has one year of team control. Right. He's great. He's a right. Cy Young caliber pitcher. Right. He's got some injury issues, and it's only one year. Right. Well, if the Brewers say, well, we want Emmanuel Rodriguez and something else, right. you know, and Jorge Polanco right. maybe, for Corbin Burns, you go, well, that's six years of a really right. good prospect plus other stuff for one year of a start. We're just not comfortable with that. Let's go talk to Lazardo. Right. But because you're <laughs> right. not just targeting Corbin Burns, you're targeting a type of pitcher like Corbin right. Burns, then you pivot to whoever else right. and you hope That's to right. find someone. I think Lazardo is interesting. I saw an article 
I wish mean, I knew who wrote this. Too. Well, first of all, we saw Lazardo just shove against the Twins <laughs> oh. early on first, last season. First, se- first series yeah, of the he season. Was unbelievable. Yeah, right, and yeah. he wasn't that good all year, but he had a really good right, year. Yeah. Lefty, real good stuff, some control issues, but right. high strikeout rate. Yeah. Got to have four. He's, he's had two good years in our year and a half. Yeah. Good, I mean, he's a good pitcher. Yeah, but, um, I saw something that the Marlins were ta- the Marlins are always looking for bats and they always right. have starting pitching to deal. Right. That's how they ended up right. trading Lopez. And the Twins had rise. plenty of right. conversations with the Marlins last year about people in their system. Oh, I saw it. I think maybe John Heyman or Joel Sherman, one of the national New York writers, said that they were talking the Marlins were talking to the Royals about Vinny Pascantino, who's a left handed hitting first base DH. <laughs> right. He had yeah. injury issues. Right. And that Kansas City instead just went on and signed Waka and right. whoever else they just signed instead of trading right. that guy who's their best hitter for a pitcher. Well, then I thought, well, Pascantino, now I'd maybe argue he's better than Kirloff or more proven than Kirloff, but he missed right. second half of last year with injuries. He's a good hitting first baseman, left-handed hitter. I thought, well, that's a Kirloff type yeah, of player. That's true. If they called up the Marlins and said, we'll give you Kirloff plus something right. for Lazardo. That's a deal I would probably make, and we're now we're veering into specific we trades, which I didn't want to. But that's but that's why like having you can't a, help it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. No, it is fun. It's undeniably right. Yeah, that's fun. right. I just am going to get a text from course, someone and go, "They'd hang up on us," or we would never do that. Um, but that's why a list like this is valuable. Is like yes, the top guys are the guys you don't want to trade, but those are the guys everyone. But then you start. Do you have the depth of quality in the eight to twenty range? That you can package Kirloff and I don't know Jose Miranda, <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> Kirloff and Raya or right. something yeah. to get a Lazardo or to get a right. whatever pitcher of choice. And I do feel like the Twins, it's going to hurt. Right. But there's, if you're trying to come up with trade scenarios, it has to hurt. Otherwise, why right. would the That's other right. team do That's it? Right. And so I do think the Twins are in sort of good position to do that. Okay. Um, <coughs> thank you for listening to the show today and all year. Right. We will be back. Hopefully, the fact that this is almost two hours long is going to hold you over for two weeks. (laughs) Or you could sign up for the Patreon and check out our mailbag episode, which we're probably coming out with sometime next week. And uh, people can send in mailbag questions about how stupid my list is. When we get how wrong I am. (laughs) Although John agreed with most of it, no, I'm shocked. That's. I mean, kind of elementary. You know, it's not that. How dare you? you? We're done. (laughs) This is a good. You know what? Let's end at the end of the year. I love that you spent all this time doing that. I was like, ah, yeah, I thought about it last time. I'd go with this in my top yeah, four. I, I just start guessing I it. spent weeks. I had spreadsheets. I was calling I'm executives. Just, I'm just doing it off the top of my head. I like that. I sent 400 texts to other executives. Is this crazy? And John's like, I go, uh, go let's see. Jeffers 11. You think Stewart? John can't even remember. He's, he like, oh. list. He's like, oh, Kirloff exists. Yeah, put him 14. Oh, that's where I had him. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, Game, Game Time at BetterHelp and Stamps and HelloFresh and StoryWorth. And thank you again very much for listening. Thank you for a great 2023. And we'll talk to you again in 2024. Game and the game.